0: It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
1: What are
0: you talking about? No, it's not him. There is only one more. There is only one. One more! That's that's it. One more! Get it around No! They show your team put up zero effort. Wake up! Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for. Where's the oxygen? Play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this,
2: this is the sports loudmouth.
0: Yeah! Man, can you keep it down?
1: I'm trying to introduce here
0: with Errol Marks and Speedy Speedy. You're not even a Has been here
3: it never was! Here it never was! Here it never was! We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is a new show of the Sports Lab I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. You can call us at 631-672-2. 3108, and you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy Petey, we have a great show lined up for everybody tonight. A three hour show. Two very special guests. We have a guest waiting to come in in just a few moments. Uh, I, obviously, the Devontae Adams thing has been. The talk of the last past couple hours, Um, Allen Robinson finds a new home. Uh, He's heading uh, to yes, the World Champion L.A. Rams. Uh, I don't know why they need him, but uh, they just want
4: to create the greatest receiving core of all time. I guess (laughs) it's
3: absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Obviously, we in just a few moments we're going to have we'll be talking to Chiefs Pro Bowl pass rusher Taba Ali. And uh, at 10.30, we'll be talking to freelance Dynasty Fantasy Football content creator Jesse Reeves. He'll be joining us as well. So we'll get into some fantasy football with him. But uh, it's just absolutely crazy. And uh, before I get into the show and we get Taba on, um, over the last couple of days, I've been very, very quiet. I haven't really talked my business or spoke about my business. Uh, My uh, 22-year-old cousin over the weekend, was found, uh, passed away in his bed on Sunday morning. And uh, 22 years old, uh, Very not only a very close family member, but just a good person, really good-hearted kid. And um, when I found out he passed away, obviously everybody that knows me knows that um, I lost a nephew, a four, four-month-year-old nephew a couple of months ago. And now I lose um, my 22 year old cousin. I mean, it's just not been good, in, you know, as far as luck when it comes to my family. But um, my my cousin Andrew, who passed away at 22 years old, um, passes away with his sister Rebecca, um, his father Arthur, and his mother Phyllis. Um, one of 30 semi cousins of mine on my father's side of the family, first cousins. Just a really special person and and the fact uh that he he has gone so quick in his life it's just it, it's just really really sad and and i i want to I want to reach out and I want to tell everybody that you know I don't speak my business I don't really talk about my business on this show it's just very very hard for the last couple of days I've been really keeping it to myself because it, it's just it's it's just hard to talk about when you when you think about you know family members going at such a young age. Uh, you know, losing nephews, lo- losing just just so many different people so quick in your life, and and they didn't even have much of a life. I mean, seriously, 22 years old was in the Marine Corps, came home to visit the family, and then two days later, his father finds him in his bed, passed away. So, um, I, I want to give a shout out to my uh, my uncle Arthur, uh, my aunt Phyllis, and my cousin Rebecca um, and Andrew who was not only a good cousin, a very special cousin and um may he rest in peace and uh just a really sad situation. So oh, Absolutely. If any of your family members are listening, I'm sending my uh my prayers and
4: condolences, sending all all the love you need to get through this very difficult time.
3: Thank you, Speedy. It's it's been really really rough and um a lot of people didn't uh, a lot of my family members that were watching the show last night, they wanted to know why I wasn't speaking about it last night because it's, it's just – it's hard. It, it, over the last couple of days, just thinking about just the time, the little bit of time that I I spent with him before he got into the – before he went into boot camp at the Marine Corps uh, and, and the conversations that we had and just who he is as a person and and, and the fact that he's gone at the age of 22 – it's just it's hard. It's really heartbroken. And it, it's just a terrible situation. And uh, like I said, uh, to all my family members, to my cousins, uh, to my aunts and uncles, uh, he he won't be forgotten. That's for sure. Well, Speedy, are you ready to bring in Taba? Yes, I am. All right. Uh, we are now talking to Chiefs Pro Bowl pass rusher Tamba Holly. What's going on, Tamba?
2: I'm um, just kicking back, man. It's, you know, I, I can't even skip your story, man. I'm, my condolences to you and your Thank family. You. It, Thank you. I Can only imagine it's a hard week for you. Uh, but uh, you know, just here that, you know, we, you know, all of our prayers go towards you at
3: this. Thank moment. you so much, Tamba. Uh, it, it's it's sad because I, I lost a nephew a couple of months ago. My sister lost her four-month-year-old uh, son. Uh, my godson, he, he passed away. Uh, um, obviously it was a freak situation and then and then losing my cousin but he was actually one of the cousins that came to my uh my nephew's um uh, my 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 nephew's wake uh and he's gone he's he was the one that actually carried the coffin to to the ground it, it's just it, it just seems like it, they're just family you know it, it comes and it goes and you don't realize how short life is and you don't realize how important life is and you should right. enjoy every second every minute Every every time you wake up in the morning, thank God that you have your health.
2: Very true, man. Very true. Very relatable to me. But right now, you know, our prayers go to your family. Thank and you. Everyone that's involved with that.
3: So, uh, Tamba, uh, you have been out of the league for quite a few years. And Five years. Yes, quite a few years. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we're talking about possibly – uh maybe maybe a hall of fame nominee we we don't know but uh you had a tremendous career really a tremendous career and as everybody knows we are talking to chiefs pro bowl pass rusher tamba ali uh he's now retired now into his music life we will talk about that in just a few moments but how are you doing what what is it like uh being retired and just enjoying life
2: um it's it's a lot of work obviously um it's not easy. Um, football was much easy, easier. Um, I, I get to be around my family, my wife, my kids. Um, that's hard, you know. They, they expect daddy to always be there, but it's also fun. I mean, being able to relax, you know, not have to make make weight every week. That's <laughs> one of the, you know, it's like man, I gotta make weight, make weight two sixty, and it's like <laughs> now I don't have to worry about that. But then I do. It's like anytime my weight starts creeping up, like man, I gotta. But it's fun man. I'm I mean I'm enjoying the time, you know, just doing things that I enjoy doing. I love doing music and I spend most of my time doing it and connecting with good people.
3: You're still fairly a young guy. I'm actually older than you, Tamba. I I'm really? actually a year older than you. I'm 39, you're 38. Oh, so it, nice. it it's crazy that you're 38 years old, your career is over, and you're still very, very young, and you got your whole life in front of you. It really does. You you really do. So why don't we get into what you're doing uh, off the field. You have right now a record company called Relume, uh, Relume Records. Tell us a little bit uh, how you got into this, and what made you fall in love with music so much?
2: Um, Let's start out with uh, I grew up in the church, obviously, we you grew up in the church, you grow up singing. You, you know, I play the bongos. My mom is a minister. My stepdad's a minister. So I grew up in the church singing. So that's where my music side come from. When I got to the country in uh, 94, I couldn't read or write. And my dad got us on hooked on phonics. So now I'm learning how to read, but we're rhyming. And growing up in New Jersey, so in New Jersey, it's all rappers up there. You know, it's all <laughs> the Biggies, the Pox, the, the Camerons, you know the Wu-Tang, so my my stepbrother had left all his mixtapes, all his, his, you know, 80s mixtapes. Um, you know, I, I was so hip to it, and I, I loved the sound when I got to the States uh, rapping. You know, just rapping was cool, rhyming and putting words together. Um, in the league, I did it in college. I just did it for fun. Um, it kept me busy, stayed out of trouble, you know. and uh, But in the league, when I got, I built this studio behind me and I just spent most of my time in the off season, just, you know, writing music. Mm. Um, I signed uh, an act, Gilly the Kid. We worked around each other for about five, six years. Well, now he's on to his podcast is doing pretty awesome. Um, but I signed him a couple of producers. I signed another artist named Stars. I knew I could rap. Um, but the problem was the league is not going to accept you trying to rap and, you know, play football it's really strict like you got to be into this what this football thing you choose is that's your livelihood it's and it's it's true like you have to put in time so I kind of did it on the side afterwards I I, I just felt like man I I could do this let me let me go ahead and, and do it let me invest money into myself instead of putting it in other people
4: so uh, for the listeners that don't know, uh, Tao, you were actually born in uh, Liberia, which is in West Africa, and you were mentioning that yes. you moved to, to the U.S. in 1994. So from musical influences in both African music and also, like you were saying, the hip hop and other stuff you got into, who are some of the specific musical influences you had?
2: In Africa, it's it, 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 I wouldn't even be able to tell you the the artists, but it's definitely, it's a it's a sound that's... That's what's kind of emerging now. They call it Afrobeat now, mm-hmm. but back then the music was a, a bit more fast. And um, in the states, you're talking about Jay Z. Like that's you know, if I had to want to model myself, Jay Z, a uh, Cameron, a uh, Jada Kiss, uh, um, um, Biggie, and Pac, and so I, I grew up in that era '94 and, and up, and so I kind of saw all all of that saga going down, uh, and I, I just enjoyed the music. Those are those were my biggest influence, and over time, Fifty Cent and Drake and those guys. You know, I still listen to hip hop because it, it obviously it got better. You know, the, what Kendrick and what Drake is doing with the words it's not it's not BS. Like you got to really come with it. You got to be good at the craft and you got to be good with your storytelling. So, you know, it's those those people always influence Little Wayne. One of my biggest influences, is Little Wayne because he just took it far left and he was still able to have clarity with it. So those guys are like our age. But yet, you know, I was in a whole different realm. But I listened to them.
3: As everybody knows, we are talking to Chiefs Pro Bowl pass rusher Tamba Ali. And by the way, I think 90s hip-hop is so much better than the new age hip-hop. I, I do not like the new age hip-hop. I mean, Kendrick <laughs> Maher is all right. I mean, but you you see what's going on with some of these different artists that are coming out. It, it just it, They're talking about shoes and socks and, and talking about things that make absolutely no sense. Who cares? I, I mean, yes, the rhyming has gotten a little bit better, but... I think the after you know afterthought of the '90s with the Wu Tang Clan and I'm actually not only do I do sports radio, I'm a DJ. I've traveled all around the country. I used to be on tour with Mary J. Blige. I, I went on tour with Rob Base. So,
5: wow,
2: that's big time. Uh, yeah,
3: so we I we need
2: to connect, man. Absolutely. You got to spin some of my a- records, absolutely. man. Absolutely,
3: we'll talk. We'll talk. Absolutely. i I and I've been DJing. I do private parties now. I've been all over the country, all over the world DJing and and i met a lot of people a lot of influencers and i i was at uh, kanye west uh, yeezus uh album release party, so I, wow. I know, yeah, so I, I, I know Nas, I, I know a lot of different, you know, hip-hop artists here from New York, so I, I've been around it for a very, very long time, so the music and the, and the way music is transitioned, and and now everybody's using different, you know, different clips of different tracks, and, and everybody's trying to, you know, change the way music is, it, it is, it is different, that's for damn sure, but... Why don't we get into your career? Because you had a fantastic football career. I think people forget. I I talked to a bunch of people. I said, I got Tamba Ali coming on the show. And then some people said, who? And I said, you don't know who Tamba Ali is? He played for Kansas City all those years. He was dominant. He, he, he At one point, you were one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. So... Let's go through your career. You were drafted by Kansas City in 2006 and, and really grew as a football player. Tell us a little bit about the time that you were in Kansas City from 2006, really, all the way to 2000, I, I would say 2017.
2: Um, being drafted by Herm Edwards, obviously, it was a, it was a big deal. Uh, I was a huge Jets fan coming out of New Jersey. I love, I love watching the Jets. I, I wasn't big on the NFL. But Herm and Carl Peterson coming into State College and, and um, watching my pro day and then picking me in the 20th pick it was a huge deal. I get there. I play with veteran players, Ty Law. I think Willie Roof had retired at, the, at, mm-hmm. at that time. But we had a Hall of Famer guard, Will Shields, Trent Green. I play with some really good caliber players, good people. Uh, but then it became hard, you know, like all of those guys left and we were kind of like starting over and then we lost Lamar, Lamar Hunt, a uh, senior. Mm-hmm. So it was a whole new um, organization coming together. Clark, uh, who's the chairman right now, the owner, one of the four owners, did a tremendous job over the time hiring different coaches. But at the time, you know, it was always in the air. You had to make the team. So it wasn't an, an easy transition. Some guys have. I I had to go through a, a bunch of different head coaches, um, but it, it all started to pan out when we got, I'll say, uh, we got Scott Pioli. Scott Pioli paid me, obviously, mm-hmm. but he brought in a different scheme. He brought in a 3-4 scheme with Romeo Cornell. And we had Charlie Weiss, uh, and then Charlie Weiss only spent uh, maybe a year or so, and then he was out, but Romeo was able to use me in a 3-4 scheme, so I could become the pass rusher that I eventually became. Um, and then we get Andy Reid because, you know, there's a, a small transition there. You know, some mishaps, things didn't go the way that Romeo Cornell wanted. And we get Andy Reid, and he's a whole different type of coach. His approach to the game, he changed our culture. We were so accustomed to losing. Um, everything changed. Players coach, but he, he demands that, you know, you love football. You need to come to work, you know, he, he, all the little things. He kind of reminded me of Joe. Joe didn't have a lot of rules, but if you couldn't, you know, abide by those few rules that he had, it wasn't going to work out for you. And he was hands-on. So if he was going to release a player, he the, the, um I wouldn't say captain, uh, but the leaders on the team, he would he would discuss it with them. he say, you know, I think we're, we're going to let this guy go. You know, he will keep you involved. Um, but yeah, my time with Andy Reid, I, I always talk to coach and I say to him, I said, I would love to, if I ever, anyone that I want to be like is you, cause he never wavered in, in, in his approach towards what he was trying to accomplish what, when he gets got to the chief. And that was like the highlight of my career because that's when I started to get to win games. That's when we got to the playoff and, and uh, won some playoff games. And it, we had a drought for quite a bit of time there. Uh, since 93, you know, so Andy Reid was like the pinnacle to now back into the playoff. And now look what uh, Patrick and his guys are doing over there. So, you know, my, my time, my time with the Hunts, it's, it's been uh, it was a tremendous ride. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm indebted to that family, that organization. They just recently had made me an ambassador uh, for the Chiefs. Um, so I work with an organization. It's a nonprofit organization. Uh, and we raise funds and we help the community. Um, we raise money and, and then put it back into the community. So it's it's a pretty cool gig that I'm, and, um, I'm a part of here in Kansas City.
4: So you mentioned you started your career with Herm Edwards. We know about his personality, what he could be. So what was he like on and off the field? And do you have a particular Herm Edwards story that stands out?
2: <laughs> um, Herm... Herm was a player's coach. You know, Herm was Herm was not going to lie to we you. We play threw...
3: to win the game.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't going to lie to you because he knew like, you know, you're not, these are grown men. You you got to kind of shoot them straight. Um Herm just I remember one time Herm said, "I don't care what you got to do before the game, you know." And then he broke out and said, "You know, back in the day when we play." the professors would be walking down on Berkeley, you know, doing that stuff. He said, I don't care what you got to do, whatever you got to do, just make sure you show up on Sunday and play. And it was just, you know, straight to the point because he knew these, uh, these guys would do whatever it takes to get on the field and have a good game. And he wasn't going to get in their way. So, you know, I remember that story vividly. I didn't get a long time with Herm, but I loved him because he just cut it the way it should. He told you the truth, and then you had to be a man about it and go do your job.
3: We are talking to Chiefs Pro Bowl pass rusher Tamba Ali. Now, Tamba, you watch the game now, and the game's completely changed from when you were playing. Really, in the last five years, with some of the rule changes. I mean, obviously, you can't hit over the, you know, over the shoulder now. You, I, I mean, it's become a game of just. To me, sometimes baby-like. You, know, you might as well play flag football now because that's what the NFL is becoming – but really, some of these pass rushers now—you you look at some of the dominance. We we obviously watched uh, uh, one of the Watt brothers dominate the league last year. Uh, when you were playing, it was Michael Strahan. It was you. It was another player that played with you on the other side, uh, Justin. Um, Justin Houston. Justin Houston, another yeah. dominant force. Even in, in Indianapolis, yeah. Ju- uh, I- even in Indianapolis, the Mathis and all the different players that you saw over there. So yeah. what do you what do you think the changes are you know have been really at your position and some of these young pass rushers that have come into the league?
2: I I don't I don't think my position have changed much. I think it's still you gotta go out there and play. Um, you know, you are still gonna get choked up, you're still gonna get blocked. You just gotta play. Um I think what's changed is we have to be more conscious of our our our, our peers. I mean, obviously we enjoy going out there and knocking heads but you know that it's a traumatic game people don't want to it's a car crash collision for three hours you know and 60 minutes time stopping going so you're doing that for a long period of time it's obviously going to have a toll on your future and so I, I think the league is trying their best to have guys more conscious on how you go about you know, knocking people out. Of course, the fans want to see it. You know, gladiator style. Come through get everything knocked <laughs> over. But again, you know, these are men that have children, they have family, that you want them to be able to enjoy life after football, even do more, even become leaders in the community, something. You don't want them to turn into mushrooms and vegetables afterwards. They're just nothing. So I, I applaud the league for kind of looking into it. The rules, obviously, it has to continue to evolve because the guys are getting bigger and stronger. You know, when I was coming out, I wasn't as strong.
5: Mm-hmm. These
2: guys coming out, they're smaller than me, but they're, they're lifting more than me. Mm-hmm. They're running faster. And so it, you, you gotta, you gotta, you know, player caution is a huge thing and I applaud the league for it. So growing
4: up in, and in, Africa, and specifically in Liberia, you didn't get the exposure to football that maybe you see now with some of these other African players coming into the NFL. So what sports did you get into first when you were growing up in Africa, and how did you get into football when you moved here to the States?
2: First, I played uh, soccer. They call it soccer here. It's football there, but that's what I grew up on. That's the the only sport we really kind of grew up on. When I got to the States, I, I got into basketball. You know, I have a little height, and I, I enjoyed moving on the court and bouncing the ball and, 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 you know, going to the park and learning how to play. Um, how did I get in football? It was my uh, my gym teacher. Uh, he, he was the defensive coordinator, Ed Clement. He always said, once you get to the high school, play football. You know, and I, I really didn't want to play football. I didn't understand the game. And when I got to high school, I really didn't understand the game, but I enjoy hitting. That's something I don't know. It just came natural. It's like we lined up and we, you know, go here, get the guy with the ball. Simple. So I line up and I do it as fast as possible. And then, you know, get you know, I played right tackle as freshman year in high school and, and blocked this guy in front of you. So I didn't even realize I had to remember that. So every play, it's like I'll ask Warren. Warren will be right next to me, and I'll ask Warren. Warren, what do I do? He'll point to the guy. Block this guy, I'ma Block this guy. So the guy knows it's coming. But I'm.
5: <laughs> that was you know that
2: was my life starting out with football. But it was Ed Klemick who encouraged me uh, to play uh, football in high school.
3: Taba, you obviously we've we talked to a we, we talked to a lot of ex NFL players. They've come on our show. Uh, Brandon Lloyd came on our show. We talked to Christian Akoya, Akoya the Nigerian nightmare, another guy yeah. that came all the way uh, from another country to, to play football over here and really never played football in his in, in, in his country. And we look at the CT problem that's happened over the last, I would say, 10 to 15 years. Uh, The NFL uh, really tried to sweep it under the rug. And and Roger Goodell, say what you want about Roger Goodell, and I am not a big Roger Goodell fan, as everybody knows on this show, but... He's trying to clean up what the NFL did, and, and he was one of the guys that tried to hide the situation. Uh, the the players' union did win $100 million for the players. Some of these players are getting paid for, uh, obviously, the CTE problems that they had. Uh, who do we have on the show? Green? Jarvis uh, Green, yeah. Uh, Jarvis Green was on the show. He said it took him forever to get his money. Uh, he wasn't very happy with the NFL for what they did. What are your thoughts to this CTE situation? Some players, like Patrick Willis, uh, DeBricashaw Ferguson, Calvin Johnson, they all retired at a young age because of this situation. Do you think that the NFL has done better with this situation? And do you know any any stories that you know of some of these players that you played with with CTE problems now after their career?
2: I think the NFL is improving on it. I think every year from how our equipments, Mm -hmm. uh, I remember when I first got in the league, I was accustomed to a certain helmet that I wore, but you know, it was enforced on us that these were the new helmets. And as time went on, we had to change the helmets. So I think they're constantly trying to do what they can to improve on the, the CTE situation here in the league. Roger Goodell, I mean, he cannot be to blame. He's the commissioner. He he has to be able to pick it up from where it was and try to at least move it somewhere. And he, you know, the next guy has to do that. This. this is a physical. Sport, You sign. we, we sign up for this. This is a sport that they say 100% chance you, you are going to be injured. You should know that. There's a 100% chance you're going to become injured playing football. And how severe that is, you know, it's up to how rigorous you want to play the game. Um, but I, I think the guys are getting wiser. I think the guys are getting smarter. They, they realize that, hey, man, it's not all about the money. It's about our health. You know, we want to live a longer life. Uh, you look at Cookley. Cookley left the game at year eight.
5: Mm.
2: <laughs> he could have mm. played eight more. I mean, my he's he's a Hall of Famer to me. Right. Yeah, but he he knew like he's smart enough to know he had to get out because it's inev- it's inevitable if you continue to play this game at that kind of level. Yeah, you're gonna have some some traumatic injury. I can't speak on anyone. Mm. I can say, I can speak on myself because we're always drugged up for the game. Mm-hmm. People are not, people are not aware. Like, yes, we, I'm taking a shot just to play the game because my, you know, my knees are hurting, my ankles are hurting, something's hurting. And I want to be able to play without, you know, that kind of excruciating pain. So every game, you know, even Dwight, when we make the uh, Dwight Free, when we make the Pro Bowl, we always sit there and talk about it. Like we, You probably won't be able to play this game without that shot for as long as we wanted to play. Um, So I'll say for me, maybe I had some CTE effects because after football, I used to be drugged up. Mm. Now I'm not as drugged up, Mm. and I'm starting to realize maybe my behavior is still more footballish even around my family. And I have to, you know, sometimes check into rehab centers and just realize like, yo, this is, this is strange to me. Like life on the outside. is not like life on the inside, on the inside. It's like, that's y'all world Mm -hmm. on this side. You can't behave that way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, over time you clean yourself and you start to get to a place where you realize mental health is, is very important. And, you know, it's Mm -hmm. starting to become a big topic around not just football, but the entire um, Mm -hmm. sports spectrum. So, I think the league is doing a good job, not just to, you know, (laughs) cover it up, but I played in the league and I understand that you're not going to get it perfect, but Roger and his team, they're going to do what it they're going to, they're trying their best to make sure that our guys are not going to go ahead and, and, and kill each other.
4: So one of the things they've done in order to reduce these head injuries across the league has been trying to make the rules a little more for catering to the quarterbacks a lot of the time. And as a pass rusher, you kind of got it towards like the end of your career type thing with these new rule changes. So what do you think mm-hmm. about a lot of these, uh, these new rules that a lot of these defensive linemen have to deal with now? And do you think it'll help long-term, this, uh, this CTE issue?
2: Uh, I, yeah, you know, as much as I wanted to, I kept hunting those pass rushers. They're the most vulnerable player on the team. And it's, it's very true. They, they're, not as, they're not lifting weight like we are. They're not running as we are. Yeah, we get some of our guys who come in the league who can run and do all of that stuff. But the position requires you to throw the ball. Protecting the quarterback, from our view, is very important. You can sack the quarterback, and you don't have to impose such a a hit on him. You know, like I I remember at times I would hit Peyton so hard. And I don't know how he would, you know, he would take it. And I was just like, damn. (laughs) You know, but... You got to try your best to take care of those guys. You know, they they are kind of like the ambassador for our league. You know, they carry the torch. You can sack a quarterback. You can... Uh, I remember um the referee will always compliment me when I sack the quarterback and strip him because they realize, like, oh, you know, he gets it. If you just hit his arm, the ball is out. It's a sack. So I kind of, you know, pride myself doing that more than trying to get there and just kill this guy. And, and <laughs> most of the time... You're not going to win that battle.
3: As everybody knows, we are talking to Chiefs Pro Bowl pass rusher, Tamba Ali. Now, Tamba, obviously, Tom Brady retires. Everybody, he he, he puts out a nice little, uh, like, thank you to all the fans, uh, the Patriots, Robert Kraft, everything. And then all of a sudden, like three, four weeks later, you see him at a Ronaldo game, uh, a soccer game. And then 24 hours later, he comes out on his social media and says, well, I'm coming back. I, I, I still think I have another year or maybe two years left in this game. And all of a sudden... Tom Brady is back. He's playing for the Buccaneers. Aaron Rodgers gets the biggest quarterback contract in NFL history, $50 million a year. Uh, Russell wow. Wilson goes to the Broncos. The AFC is stacked now. Khalil Mack over there with the Chargers and C.J. Yeah. Jackson. Wow. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, from the NFC, where you know you were in the AFC practically your whole career, now yeah. the NFC, which has been a world power over there, has become the weak power, and the 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 AFC becomes so big. What are your thoughts of Tom Brady's return and really the transition from the AFC, from the NFC being so strong to being weak and the AFC being so strong? And your division, Kansas City, the Broncos, the Las Vegas uh, Raiders, who, by the way, just landed uh, Devontae Adams now. I mean, that division is as good as division we've seen in almost 20 years. What are your thoughts to the AFC just looking like it's going to dominate this year?
2: Um, I mean, Tom Brady coming back to me is is huge. Uh, I I I, I want to still see him play. Mm-hmm. He looked like he could still play. I don't, I don't, <laughs> you know, he's, he he did. I mean, his last five thousand
3: yards, forty touchdowns. Of course, yeah, yeah. Forty four years old, and he's still doing it.
2: Yeah, he looked like he could still play. So it's kind of cool how he did it. He kind of kept the press down off of him. He, you know, like I don't want to keep talking about this all <laughs> off season. Just I'm retiring. I'm coming back. Good. He pulled the Jordan. You know, applaud applaud the guy. He was able to get a little relief from football for a minute there. And he came back. But the AFC, yes. It, it's, you know, having Mahomes, what Mahomes have, have done in the past, let's say, four years since he's been a starter is, you know, we've played a championship game here. Yes, it's it's only made more players want to play in our, th- this conference because you're on prime time and you're playing against really, really good players i think russell wilson got it i think he figured <laughs> it out like i need to go play in the afc you know uh, russell will. but what i see now it's kind of hard the afc west because now you got khalil Mack with the chargers mm-hmm. so that's joey boza and khalil khalil Mack that's going to be haunting you know our guy here uh, patrick so that that's tough mm-hmm. and then you got um Russell Wilson, who's gonna, you know, he's gonna show up every every game. Though. Obviously, they're gonna keep making moves out there, but yeah, I, it's gonna be an exciting year. I, I don't think the NFC is just getting worse. I just think, I just think it's the it's the you know what's happening right now. You still got Aaron Rodgers. You got you know you got the two goats got, that's still sitting on that side. Team,
3: you got four teams in the NFC. That's all you got. That's really all you have, Tampa. I, I, you, San Francisco. What, Dallas? You counting Dallas? Oh no, I'm not counting Dallas. <laughs> no, Whoa, we, never, we <laughs> never count Dallas. I mean, especially all the players they lost this off season. They gave Zeke Elliott sixty million dollars. I mean, I, I mean, they can't get rid of that contract, obviously. But if you look at right He's now good. the He's NFC, good. you got San Francisco, right? You got okay. you got Tampa Bay, the Green Bay Packers. And who's the other team, Speedy? The Rams. The Rams. I said the 49ers. So the 49ers, the Rams, the the Packers, the Packers in Tampa Bay. That's it. Minnesota good? No. The Carolina Panthers good? No. I mean, they're trying to get Deshaun Watson, but now you're hearing Deshaun Watson. He's picking through two teams. Where's he going? I'm going to tell you where he's going to go. He's probably going to the AFC. What are the two teams? Atlanta
4: and who? Uh I've heard the Saints and the Browns are also interested too because now the Browns are uh, Baker Actually, Mayfield could, forcing his way out too.
3: So. You know, he'd be smart to go to the NFC. Actually, Deshaun Watson will be smart to go to the NFC. If he goes into the AFC, look at the AFC. You got Buffalo, Josh Allen, you got That's Mac big. Jones. You got Mac Jones with New England. Who who knows? Maybe Zach Wilson's the guy with the Jets. The Jets. You got Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. You got. Yeah, yeah. Then you got the Cleveland Browns. Well, obviously. He wants
2: out. I just heard he wants out.
3: Baker Mayfield wants out. Then you got Joe Burrow from the Bengals. And then you go to your division. You got, I don't know, Derek Carr. You got Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. I mean. It's stacked. And, oh, Justin Herbert, too.
2: He's good. Yeah.
3: <laughs> He's really He's good.
2: He's good. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, really you're good. right. You're right. It, I mean, it, it's well, all on the AFC side. You guys do this every day. So, yeah. no, you're right. You hey, got you're it. the one.
3: Hold on. We do this every day, but you played in this, and you would be playing. <laughs> you would be in that nasty division right now. It, it, it's ridiculous. Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, uh, now CJ Jackson. I mean, I, I uh, how could you how could you look at these teams and not say that the, the AFC is not going to be more dominant than the NFC? But before we would. let you go, before we let you go, we we not only do we talk about your music career. Uh, how about your kids? Do you have, how many kids do you have?
2: I got five kids. My wife and I we we got three boys together. I came in with one girl, mm-hmm. and she came in with one boy. So we have five all together.
3: Any of them playing football?
2: Uh. My six-year-old, he played flag football. my four-year-old, he's going to be five here in a month. Um, my two-year-old, he's, you know, he's just all over the place. They're uh, babies. They're babies. They're babies, yeah. They're, they're babies. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: I started late, man. I had to play football, Hey, you listen.
3: Know? Listen, I respect that. Derek Jeter had to start late. I mean, he didn't start having kids until he was, like, 46, 47. I really? Mean, yeah. It was late. I Derek Cheetah retired at the age of what? He was, like, 39, 40. Uh, he wow. got married when he was 42. Uh, I, st- I think he started having kids guy. when he was, like, 44, 45. I mean, he has two daughters, and uh, he's now – I think Derek is now about 50 years old now, close to 50. Wow. So yeah, Ooh, it goes great. fast, man. It goes fast. You're 38. You're still a baby, man. You're, I you're, am. You are. I'm 39, and I, you know, I feel like my arms are falling apart, my shoulders are. Falling. I didn't play, and I didn't play professional football, bud. So I could only imagine falling how... apart,
2: man. <laughs> falling apart. Look at your
3: fingers. <laughs> but, yeah, uh...
2: I don't even wear a, a wedding ring. Is that bad, <laughs> man? Can you imagine?
3: I could imagine. I could. And by the way, I know who Gilly the Kid is, too. Uh, a great artist, uh, you know, underground artist that really came into the game. I didn't even know he worked with you. He, you signed him. But I, I know yeah. him very well. I know him very yeah, well. Yeah, I worked
2: with him for a long time. Gilly is a character. I mean, what what people saw, you know, back in the two thousand, early two thousand about him, it's nothing. That's not even him. When you get around the guy, he's a clown. He's a funny guy. He all he wants to do is smoke weed and laugh all day. <laughs> so I, you know, it, it was a ball working with him. Um, I'm ha- I'm happy to see him successful now. He found something that he enjoys doing, obviously. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was nice. I really I love Gilly, and I wanted to see him succeed. But I think he kind of knew that they was not going to let him in that door. He knew it. He <laughs> milked it for long. We yeah. did like five six years. Mm-hmm. He knew. But then i got i got the picture my lawyer said tamba they're not going to it's just he 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 kind of said some things and they're not gonna let him and then yeah. i was like all right cool let's yeah. get these albums out the way and we did
4: yeah. so I, I as my last question i wanted to i actually wanted to uh, give a little, the listeners a little preview of your new track and ask you a music-related question. So I'm just going to play a little bit for you now, uh, yeah. further you guys now.
2: Apologies, apologies. Here they talking about the boy, but that don't bother me. Hollering, hollering. Sending subliminals. Shots they firing, yet I see no criminals. Records ain't bad enough. I guess they ain't bad enough. Hits after hits, got them all now backing up. Whole city backing us. Top no matter what. Yeah, it's that real. Ever since they scatter us, rap... So who that is was that? A, is that you? That's that's me, baby. That's, that's me. That's you already beautiful. know.
3: That's beautiful, man. I, I get <laughs> we definitely got to talk. I, I like it. I like it a lot. I like the production. Did you produce that?
2: No, I have a I have a producer. He's in uh he's in Nigeria. I I don't do more rap. I did rap for the fans because I do dumb down music. I sing. Mm. I do more Afro beat. Mm. I just we just released a video today. It's called Can't Get Enough on my YouTube page. So it's. I don't, you know, rap Rap is so controversial. Mm. It's almost like I'm always going to fight someone in a rap. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so we sing. I like to sing. And, and, it's in the, and people want to dance. So we do dance kind of love and lust kind of music, Afrobeat, more rhythmic.
3: I loved it. I, I got to check it out and we definitely we we definitely got to talk so what i'll have is i'll have my producer speedy uh get get your your email or get your phone number and we'll talk on the phone i i definitely like to work with you i i actually make beats too so i still i still make beats i've been doing it i sold some of my music to neo over the years so uh, wow yeah you've so been,
2: you've been you're like yeah. you're like a vet in this thing man i And the, the music
3: in the music industry, yeah. I've been I've been a vet. I, I've been DJing since I was fifteen. I'm 39 now, so wow. I've been doing it for almost 25 years. Music and yes, yeah, so you production. Can definitely. Oh yeah, I can
2: pick your brain. I, I went sure. from
3: records to CDs to now digital, digital, digital And now everybody could DJ. I mean, some of these DJs are just horrible, and they don't know what what it is to go back and and use 70s music and and yeah, yeah. It, it just it, the music world is really. They've lost the understanding of what '80s music was and what '90s music was, freestyle and all that other stuff. Only, only the new, uh, the old hip hop production producers. And even DJ Premier, who I know very, very well, out, uh, you know, out from, you know, he's from over here. He yeah. really rediscovered and really changed the way music really, uh, you know, was produ- produced yeah. and, and presented to the world. So. Uh, and now you have all the different people and all the different producers that are coming out now. So really appreciate you joining us Tamba. Uh, I I I know you're a very busy guy uh, as as we see over here. Uh, you stayed on for quite a few, you know, few minutes with us. I mean 45 minutes. I appreciate
2: minutes. you guys, man. Absolutely. I, I mean I usually I used I used to turn down podcasts and then someone sat me down and said, "But Tamba, your personality is is like those guys. You like talking. <laughs> so why don't why don't you spend more time you know, with people who want to talk, and I say, "Yo, it makes sense." You know, well, so, you want, yeah, you want, I really appreciate it. You sure, want to know something? You
3: know? We're not a podcast. We we're, we're a live radio show, and uh, we're we're live, and and our show airs on one hundred three point nine FM here on Long Island. We're the only sports radio show that airs out here in Long Island, New York.
2: Really? Yes. So you guys are on, on the East Coast? Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm right there in Max.
3: There so. you go. There you go. Oh my God. So we yeah. we got to talk, man. I'll have my producer, Speedy, over here reach out to you. We'll get all the information, and we'll talk. Well, definitely, because if, if you're, I, obviously you're a music guy. I'm a music guy, and I would love maybe – we'll, maybe we'll go to the studio and we'll work a little bit together. I would love to. Uh,
2: yeah, I'm, I'm in the studio right now. You
3: already know. Absolutely. I see it over ah, there. Nice. I see a board <laughs> over there. That's a nice board yeah. over there.
2: Yeah, I'm
5: here.
3: (laughs) Uh, I see it, man. and, And that's what you need to do. You need to put the time and the work into it because you don't know what new track. I mean, Prince practically spent his life in the studio. So did Michael Jackson. So did Tupac Shakur. That's why... After they passed away, there's so much music. There's so many tracks that they made that nobody's ever heard, unreleased stuff. So, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. And I, I really appreciate you joining us. You, put, you gave us all the time. So uh, thank you very much. And uh, we'll talk very, very soon. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Tamba Ali, ladies and gentlemen, uh, obviously uh, Chiefs Pro Ball pass rusher, music producer, really, really nice guy. Get his information. I would love to – Speedy, you, you hear what I'm saying over here?
4: Yeah. By the way, the song is called I'm Not Sorry. Just released last month.
3: Oh, awesome. I, I want you to reach out to him. I want you to get his email address, get his phone number. Uh, obviously, uh, interact with him tonight after we get off uh, the show so I can get all this information. He's a really, really nice guy. Tampa is sensational and really – uh, the, the type of person that you want to interview. because oh, yeah. He, he oh, just, he was fantastic. Yeah, he's a good personality, straightforward, and and happy to be with us. And we're really happy that he joined us. So why don't we get back into the football? Because we are in, at 1030, we're going to have uh, freelance dynasty fantasy football content creator, uh, Jesse Reeves. He'll be joining us uh, in just probably, I would say, in about 40 minutes. But uh, the Devontae Adams situation. And am I surprised that Devontae Adams was traded after hearing really in the last couple of days that he was not going to play on the tag. He, he already said he will not play on the tag for the Green Bay Packers. And, and, and with Aaron Rodgers getting the $50 million a year, uh, getting the all-time biggest contract, the, uh, the, the highest-paid contract a quarterback got in NFL history, uh, with, with everything that's going on with the NFL, I am not surprised that Devontae Adams was traded today. Now, I don't know what he was traded for. It looks like a, a, looks like a one and a two. A one and a two. This year. Um, I, do I think he's worth more? Absolutely. Do I think Vegas robbed him? I don't think Vegas robbed him because he's 29 years old, and they had to pay him. He, they paid him $28.5 million. He's making $128, uh, 128 million. I think it's a six-year deal. Five-year mistaken. deal. Five-year deal. It's $28.2 million per year. So, uh, obviously, franchise... And by the way, so who will Green Bay franchise tag now? They can't franchise tag anybody. Once you franci- franchise tag a player... Yeah, it's past the deadline now. You can't franchise yeah. tag another player. So, they, they can't use their franchise right. tag. it's past the deadline now anyway. So, Devontae Adams going to the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, the Raiders have been looking for a star wide receiver for a while. They have. I mean, really, if you really go back, you, you talk about Jerry Rice... Brown, I mean, they haven't had a star wide receiver in a while. Now, they've drafted some wide receivers. They brought Jordy Nelson in, ex-Green Bay Packer. I'm not surprised that they went after another Packer. And we've seen this. We've seen this. Every single Green Bay Packer wide receiver that left Green Bay disappears. They they fall off the map. The Raiders also signed James Jones towards the end of his career, too. (laughs) They fall off the map. And, and maybe because it's the quarterback, it, it, maybe it's not Brett Favre, maybe it's not Aaron Rodgers. Now, Derek Carr is a fantastic quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. Uh, adding a weapon like Devontae Adams, you have Waller over there. Uh, you have a great running game in Jacobs. And you talk about the division. We were just talking about that with Tombaugh. I think that is by far along the best division in football. So... Vegas needed to make a splash, Speedy, and they did. Devontae Adams heads over there to the Raiders.
4: By the way, we have a, a returning caller. Brian Snow is on the line.
3: Brian, what's going on, bud? What's
6: up, B? How are you guys doing? It's good I'm, to talk to you. I'm good. How are you feeling, bud? Well, this is one reason why I called. I wanted to let you guys know that the night of the national championship, April 4th, I will be out of my cancer surgery because it is scheduled for that morning.
3: hmm well, I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm happy for you. I, I hope everything goes well. Yes. Um, Same here. You know, Brian. with Thank with you. with everything that's gone on in your life, I mean, if anybody doesn't know the background of Brian Snow, I mean, this guy has been going through Mountains and mountains and mountains of things, and and really coming, really coming out of the tunnel, still standing on his two feet. He still does his radio show, Snowman in the morning. And, and to me, you're so dedicated to what you're doing, and, and you do play by play. You did, you, you've been doing play by play on ESPN. So, uh, congratulations yeah. for everything that you've thank been you. doing, and 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 really the hard work that you put in. And I hope everything works out for you. You deserve it.
6: Oh uh, thank you, thank you so much. And I've been. Uh, watching you guys while I've been hustling, getting my radio show together. You know, you guys are nightly entertainment for me. I appreciate you guys. I, I appreciate everyone on that network. I truly, truly mean that. And while I'm recovering in the hospital, best believe, Errol, whenever you put a link on my timeline, I will have it blasted in my room because I expect <laughs> to be, I, I'm serious, I expect to be in the hospital for a week. Yeah. So, if I'm not surrounded by my children or my grandchildren during the day, I'll be surrounded by sports talk at night, which is, good, which is good for me. And Jody's already made a rule. The first week home, I am not to touch my computer or my mixer or my microphone. That's a rest week for me. So mm-hmm. my partner will be uh, handling duties for about two weeks. And then um, as my recovery time progresses, I will be able to get back in the chair and uh, start everybody's morning. Well, but I appreciate I appreciate you guys, and I love you guys so much. Same I here. just had to call in. Same very, here. very good to hear, Brian. Same here. All before, the best.
3: before we let you go, uh, obviously all the crazy stuff that's happened with football, baseball, uh, yep. so and even basketball. What has stood mm-hmm. out to you? We haven't spoken to you in a while. Obviously, Russell Westbrook seems like he's falling off the map uh, yep. as you, you're jumping for joy because you hate Russell Westbrook. <laughs>
6: Um, what, you know
3: me quite well. Yes, I do. What, what has st- stood out to you so far with the NFL free agency and, and obviously March madness, uh, over the last, and by the way, I picked Michigan to win. They were down and I told Speedy, watch, I don't care if they're down <laughs> by eight, they were going to win the game. Michigan wins today, buddy.
6: Yep. Um, well, I will reveal, I did it, uh, Monday. No, no, no. Check that. I did. I did my picks Tuesday morning and obviously a couple of them gone backwards, but my national champion I picked was Arizona mm. and my it, national championship game would be, well, I have them. I have uh, Gonzaga and Arizona wow. slated as my national two title number
3: game. ones. Wow. Uh, yeah.
6: Uh, You're talking about two of the best offenses in the nation mm-hmm. and should they get together in new Orleans, which is going to be a madhouse by the way, I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's a hundred point game both
3: ways. Who do you think won in the NFL free agency market? Obviously, uh, I would say the LA Chargers. But who did who did you think won at the the NFL free agency market? I have two teams: the Chargers being one, and then the Raiders
6: being being in the other. Now, you and Speedy brought up a very valid point that whomever the Raiders sign at the tail end of their career, and Devontae Adams is not at the tail end of his career. Mm-mm they 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 fall off the map. You gave gave a great example of uh Jordy Nelson, another another former Packer. With this, it gives Derek Carr that one weapon he's been lacking. And when I say lacking, the the Raiders offense has gotten better, um, but Adams to the Raiders is kind of like what Jerry Rice meant to the 49ers or what um I am blanking on his name. In the early days when I started watching the Giants, what um, Mark Ingram or Stacey Robinson meant to Phil Sims Mm. or what Art Monk meant to the Redskins. Right. It's that kind of receiver, and they're getting him at age 29. Mm -hmm. He gets a full year. He gets a full summer at Becky Parton, spring and summer to learn the rate of system, get in that system, and start working out for them now. So right now I have the Raiders and the Chargers as well,
3: my two big ones. Well, oh, uh, obviously the Vegas, uh, the Vegas, or so whatever. I, I, I see. I, I'm going to see the Oakland Raiders because that's what they are to me. I
6: still, I still say the Oakland. They're, Raiders. They're, they're still the Oakland Raiders to me. Hell, but- I, hell, there were a couple times during the morning show I said the Los Angeles Raiders. Okay. <laughs> no, but- I I know I know I'm dating myself with that, and <laughs> I want to see. Uh, listen, I have plans of throwing. A party, it's gonna be a small party Mm. when I turn 50 in July. But I I, I plan to bug you guys on my 50th birthday, so i can let y'all in on the fun. Guess what? I'm
3: turning 40 this year, so my 40th uh, bash. I I, I know you're probably not gonna be out. I don't know if you'll be out of the hospital. Maybe you guys fly over here and enjoy. May twenty first, my fortieth birthday party. You're more than welcome to come. Yeah, to my birthday I, celebration. We'll we'll see how we'll
6: see how it goes because I have a game with UNCG on May six. Mm-hmm. I'm doing that rem- doing that remotely, mm-hmm. and I gotta watch I, I gotta watch myself and everything that's going on. I'm gonna have my wife and my children with me helping me out. But mm-hmm. we sh- we shall see. The travel may have to wait mm. until midsummer. Right. But I know here. Wife and I are gonna throw a small party for turning for, for turning 50. Mm-hmm. And I cannot it, my um my son said to me, You're gonna be how old? I said, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn 50. And he said, How the hell do you turn 50 and look the way that you look? And he teases my bald head by calling me Mr. Clean. My son's 23. <laughs> my my son's 20, my son's 23, and he, he teases me calling me Mr. Clean. And he goes, how can you turn 50 and not have any gray hair? I said, Dakota, I have gray hair, but it's all in my chin, and it's under my it's it's under my goatee. And he leaned in and took a good look, and it went, yeah, it's all there. I said, yeah, there's gonna be more, because I just I suspect by the time I turn 60, um, all of my facial hair will be white, and I'm looking forward to every day and every year. You know, especially after they get this cancerous tumor out of me, and it was stage three mm. when they just when they discovered it, and I'm glad they discovered it uh, last June when when I was in the hospital in North Carolina. Well, I'm I'm it's happy. It's been fun.
3: I'm happy that everything is working out for you, and hopefully the surgery works out for you. Your speedy recovery, you speedy recovery, and uh, keep listening to us. and And while you're in the I hospital, will. while you're in the hospital, my friend, uh, we will definitely entertain you. That's for sure.
6: <laughs> well, I, I love you guys, and I love the entertainment that you you guys bring. You two have been been friends to me for a while, and I, appre- I appreciate you guys. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you. Brian. I picked my. American League Central Division champion, and it's going to be the Chicago White Sox. Of course, and I it wouldn't is. be surprised. I, 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 <laughs> but the thing—they're—they're they're the most talented team in the division. De- mm. uh, Detroit, Minnesota's trying to stack up by getting extra arms, but mm. we got young arms in a loaded system. Mm-hmm. So right. Chicago's going chicagos going to be fine. Oh, I South think I,
3: I think the White Sox do have that division. They're the best team in that division. That's one of the weakest divisions in all of baseball. So it is. Yeah. But you know what? You take
6: advantage of weak divisions. Of course. Hell, the, hell, the Yankees did it for years. Mm. The Yankees did it for, under George
3: Steinbrenner. Yeah. The Yankees did it for years. And now that they division is as good as that division. And now, and, and now that division is as good as any division in, in all of baseball. It so.
6: is, man. Yeah, and mm. I got an upset in the East. What do you got? I have an upset in the East, in the American League East division. The Blue Jays, let me guess. It's going to be the Blue Jays. Mm. I have them in a razor, razor thin finish. Don't be surprised if it goes an extra day. Hmm. But it's gonna it's gonna be a hell of a race between Tampa and Toronto. Hmm. But I got Toronto with a slight edge. Uh,
3: I think the all all four of those teams can make the playoffs. I, I yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if all three teams, the three out of the four teams, are wild card teams in that division. That division is stacked. Right. I mean, the Yankees lineup is as good as any lineup in baseball. Yep. Uh, yep. And, and uh, the Red Sox lineup is pretty pretty damn good too. It's gonna come down to whoever's yes. pitching really holds up. Will probably win that division. I'm not I'm not sold with the Blue Jays bullpen, and I'm not sold with the Blue Jays uh, pitching staff either. So,
4: Ryan, I just want to ask who who's the rest of your final four? You said Arizona and Gonzaga. I'm just curious. My final score. Final four, the other two teams. I'm just curious. Um.
6: Uh, oh. yeah well, who cares? I'm just looking at Arizona and Gonzaga. Okay. <laughs> my <laughs> If there's one number one seed I do not and will not trust, it is Kansas. Agreed. Kansas is shaky mm. as 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 a number one seed. I don't have my picks in front of me, but I know okay. my national championship is Arizona and Gonzaga. And don't be surprised if it turns out to be like a ridiculous 102, 101 kind of game. NBA style game. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, two of the top five scoring offenses in the nation. Um, Gonzaga at 93. Arizona last count was at uh, 90. I think Arizona was like at 88 by the time they got to the Pac-12 championship. So it's going to be that kind of game. Very interesting. If if, If they get there, it's going
3: to be that kind of game. I just see it. Brian, thank you for calling, bud. We really appreciate the time.
6: I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Thank you guys very much. I love you. I will talk to y'all soon.
3: Brian Snow, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't checked out Snowman in the Morning, he's doing play-by-play for ESPN right now for college baseball. It's college baseball, right? Or I'm softball. not sure, but
4: they're uh, doing a lot of stuff on ESPN Plus, baseball, softball. They do a lot of them. So. Yeah, so Brian's got a great variety going for the stuff he broadcasts.
3: Yeah, he, he's a good guy, and uh, he's worked really, really hard to get where he is today, and uh, and and want to know something? When you put the hard work and dedication into the the thing that you absolutely are passionate and love, uh, you know, you love, uh, opportunities will come. And Brian, who has been a fan of this show, has followed us. Really has, uh, really been a backing piece to what we do here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'd like to thank Brian Snow, and I hope uh, speedy recovery after you. Oh,
4: absolutely, yeah.
3: But getting back into uh, this Devonte Adams thing, and and really. Uh, what was the other thing that happened today? There was another player that went somewhere. Or, I, I'm not sure. I'll, Baker I'll Mayfield
4: forced his way. Was trying to force his way out. Was That's the right. Other big one today. That's right.
3: Well, Baker Mayfield came out uh, last night on social media, which very surprising. I, I'm, I. You know what? It's so crazy. Is Deshaun Watson is ever since that whole criminal thing gets you know shot down by the judge. Now all of a sudden, there's four, five, six teams interested in Baker May. I mean, uh, Deshaun Watson. Where's Deshaun Watson going? Uh, now it's it's his decision. Now, wh- wh- whoever decides to make a trade for him, is going to have to give up a significant amount back for him. Now, the Browns were uh, one of the teams interested in him. Who are the other four teams? It was the rest of the team in the NFC South, like we were talking about. The Falcons, the Saints, and the Panthers. Mm-hmm. And The Panthers, uh, by the way, somebody uh, posted up that the Panthers are now out. The Browns, land uh, this morning, uh, Deshaun Watson said is now out. So, But that, that might a- change with the Baker Mayfield, so we'll not see. Not really. Uh, he says he's out. So... They're out, so it's it's really between Atlanta and the Saints. So I, I mean, the better team is the Saints. If I, if I were to pick from one or the other, but then you have the young tight end over there that has proven himself this year, and and the And by the way, Atlanta played very well in the second half of the season. So maybe adding a guy like Deshaun Watson will take him to the next level. Are they that much better than Houston was when he when he was playing for Houston? I would say no. I mean. Houston wasn't great, but they weren't so they weren't bad. And Atlanta is still a team that's rebuilding. They don't have Julio Jones there anymore. And like I said, they have uh, their start their star tight end. They don't have a Ridley Calvin Ridley's out for the season because he got suspended because of uh, obviously betting on sports or betting on football. Uh, the NFL suspended him, and they were going to trade him anyway. So. Uh, you bring in Deshaun Watson. How much? How much better does Deshaun Watson make an Atlanta Falcons team, which, by the way, is in the NFC, uh, which. If I was Deshaun Watson, I would not want to stay in the AFC. I would want to move to the NFC.
4: Yeah, I think they're going to be patient anyway with the way these charges are going right now. So far, charges have been dropped, which is a good sign for Deshaun Watson and a good sign for the Texans, too, to try to get some level of value back, too. But Atlanta's in one of those positions where, yeah, they're probably better than the Texans, but they're still not ready to contend right now. They had a... Overperforming year last year, they did a lot better than people expected at the beginning of the season. They were seven and ten. They won a lot of close games. They played hard with a lot of their division. So they definitely did better, but they're still not anywhere close. The Saints are the better team on paper with the talent that they do have, but they are going to have to purge a lot for Deshaun Watson. So I I, don't, I can't see how it's going to work for the Saints unless they really just go all in and try to hope to just rebuild the rest of the defense or the offensive line or something like that because they're already so far below the cap as it is. So Atlanta, from a money and salary cap perspective, makes more sense. But the question is, do you want to gamble on multiple first-round picks or multiple draft picks when you still need so much on your team? And it's not like Atlanta has a luxurious money situation either. They're over the cap now. I think they're $12 million over the cap, but it's not something where you could just trade for him comfortably like a team like the Colts or the Dolphins or a team like that has a lot of money. And I, again, Atlanta, same kind of thing too. Can you afford to gamble on that kind of thing with the off-field issues too is another question. So I think they they have a process that they progressed well and nicely. I think they'll stick to it. And I, the Saints, it's going to be very hard to make that kind of thing work. So I think the Texans, just from that standpoint, still might have some trouble.
3: And and, and, and the whole big. Bank- Mayfield thing, I, I'm not surprised that Baker Mayfield speaks out. I, the to me, the Browns fans have been treating him like garbage really since uh, since the year that they almost beat Kansas City in the playoffs. Really, that one crazy you know trick played by Andy Reid that got him. And 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 by the way, Kansas City goes to the Super Bowl and loses against Tampa that year. But really, since then, the Browns fans have not respected. Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield all season long was dealing with injury. He was playing with practically, uh, I guess you could say, a torn rotator cuff and and whatever he had. Uh, His shoulder was broken. And he played practically the whole season, dealt with all the pain. Could you imagine the pain that he was going through, throwing the ball and doing the things that he was doing on the field trying to get his team into the playoffs because they were one of the favorites to come out of their division. Now, you listen to the fans the death threats i mean how many people wrote to his wife you know during the season his wife was standing up for him I, and baker mayfield he he loves to be the center of attention how many commercials we've seen baker mayfield on you know really in the last 2 years i mean the guy is really he's a great personality and he's a good uh, you know he's a good i guess samaritan for the nfl he really is but the way the browns fans expect this guy to be that superstar type of player, he is not Aaron Rodgers, okay? He's not Tom Brady. He's not Deshaun Watson. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's none of those guys. And the fact that these people and, and the Browns fans think that this guy is going to absolutely transition uh, and, and transcend uh, this Browns offense to uh, a top offense in all of the NFL, they're crazy. Now, everybody's going to say, well, he was the number one pick in the draft. He was. That has a lot to do with the Browns. Nobody thought before going into the draft that he was even a first-round draft pick. Then all of a sudden, uh you know, the way he scored at the combine and and his pro day was pretty good and, and 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 really after interviewing with all these different teams, a lot of people liked him including the Browns. The the at one point the Browns GM said that he's the type of guy that you can build your team around because of his personality. But it hasn't worked in Cleveland. It hasn't. So why if I was Baker Mayfield, why would I sit there and say I want to sign a new contract. I want to be there for another five or six years. If I was Baker Mayfield, I want to get the hell out of there. I want to go to another organization like Indianapolis, uh, a team that's going to respect me, put the players around me that could succeed. You go over there to Indianapolis, you have a, a top-end running back in Taylor. You have a Pittman over there as a wide receiver. You have a great offensive line, obviously a, center, a centerpiece than Quinton Nelson, who's one of the best guards, one of the best offensive linemen in football. And you have a great defense. Why would he want to be in Cleveland when all you've been dealing with is craziness? Odell Beckham. Jarvis Landry, this coach, that coach. I mean, how many coaches has he had since he's come into the league? Three. I, I mean, seriously, he's been in a league for, what, four years? This is going into his fifth year? Yep. And he's had three different coaches. Why would, if I was Baker Mayfield, why would I want to stay in Cleveland? Why?
4: John says uh, Randall Cobb took a pretty significant pay cut to stay with the team, dropping his salary from eight point five to three million dollars. John also says, "Wonder how pissed he is now that after Adams left and Brown said they were not trading Baker." And yeah, that would be a problem if they if they make him unhappy. It's just going to make your team less desirable to go to because the team is loaded with talent, but. There are teams that get loaded with talent, and then they get these players unhappy, and that is a bad sign for the Browns front office just when you were starting to gain some kind of stability where they were drafting well, they were giving good contracts, they were making these players happy. It seemed like a good team culture. All of a sudden, it's getting reversed again with the Odell drama. Now Jarvis Landry gets cut. He gets unhappy. And now Baker Mayfield. And it seemed like it was just split with Baker Mayfield and the receivers, but now it just seems to be a problem that's universally back to the front office with what Jimmy Haslam's doing. And Andrew Barry, I think, is a very good GM. He Again, he drafts very well, finds these good one-year contracts, and makes it work in this kind of thing. And now all of a sudden you're going back to the dysfunctional ways that hindered your team making you the worst 21st century franchise in sports, you're going back to those kinds of things where these trends don't help you try to build that kind of thing. Uh, Snook says, Well, no one is Tom Brady, I'll hail the Brady goat. I don't know. It's worked to some degree. They're consistently winning more games. Carl such a Baker to the Lions. Yes, they're winning more games snug. I, Jared
3: Goff is there. I
4: picked them last year to go to the Super Bowl. I, I know how talented they are, but eventually that talent is going to get unhappy if you have these kinds of locker room, front office issues where they're not... In full support of what's going on,
3: and you do—you're right. They do make good trades. They added Amari Cooper for practically nothing, peanuts in a penny. I mean, they got Amari Cooper, and you did release Jarvis Landry. You—you you got rid of Odell Beckham, another cancer. So you add Amari Cooper was one of the best route runners in the league. No question that he is. But again, if you don't have a happy quarterback, if I was—if you're telling—if the Browns are coming out and saying they're not trading him. You're going into a season with a a final year on his contract, a a disgruntled Baker Mayfield who doesn't want to play there, doesn't want to play on this team, and doesn't want to deal with the fans. What do you think is going to happen? If there's anything that happens during this season, and this team loses one or two games and the fans go and attack him, what is he going to do? It's going to be all over the media. It's going to be all over the press. He's going to say some derogatory things. It it might affect his career, but it will also affect uh, the the GM and – and the organization of the Cleveland Browns, which have been a laughing stock of the NFL, really, for the last 25 years.
4: So the problem now they have is they have to be able to make this kind of work in terms of adjusting the team culture. Now, we've seen so many quick fixes where these quarterbacks have been swapped and succeed in other places. Now, on the other end, can it work if you're the recipient of that particular type of trade? Now, that's only a recent sample size to be able to judge. Now, the Browns as of right now, still have the talent to make that kind of thing work, to plug in whatever quarterback, if they trade Baker Mayfield and maybe trade for somebody else, maybe to make that kind of thing work. And they still have a decent amount of money, too. Now, the Amari Cooper contract will hinder that a lot, but they still have some money, too, where they can make that work if they maybe cut another defensive player or something like that. But they have a lot of depth in the area to make that kind of thing work. The problem is more... Are you going to get other guys to buy in to what you're trying to create? Because I think Barry is a very good GM. Kevin Stefanski is a very good coach. So there has to be something else holding that kind of thing back. And if the Browns continue to have these kinds of issues with the front office, with the way the organization is run, with their, I guess, team culture, it's going to be a problem for a team that is very talented. And you put these players on a stable franchise. You shift the Browns roster and put them on a team like the Steelers, or a team like the Patriots, they might go 15-1, and and 15-2, but yet they're still underwhelming in certain years where they have all this talent. They made the playoffs last year, like you're saying, almost beat the Chiefs, and they still haven't taken that
3: next step yet. And Deshaun Watson, yeah, he's a big name. Is he better than Baker Mayfield? He's way better than Baker Mayfield. And the Browns, obviously, knowing that Deshaun Watson is is up there uh, being dangled around as a trade bait, of course, they're going to do everything they can to try to make a move to to land him. And Baker, hearing that, obviously, if I was Baker Mayfield, knowing... That I, I've decided to take on that, that fifth-year option and I, I'm coming back as the starting quarterback and now you're hearing that Deshaun Watson's in the, the loom and, and maybe he gets he gets traded to the Browns and then all of a sudden, what is he going to be? The backup? Or what are they going to do with Baker? And then Baker's going to be tossed to another team like as you saw Jared Goff getting tossed over there to the Detroit Lions because the Rams wanted to add Matthew Stafford so they could be a Super Bowl contender. So I think Baker's worried about if Deshaun Deshaun Watson, or at the time, Deshaun Watson, the last 24 to 48 hours, if Deshaun Watson were to come here, that they were just going to throw him to the Wolves. And and that's not fair to Baker Mayfield because, listen, as much as I don't like Baker Mayfield as a personality, he's a guy, he, you should respect him because he's an NFL quarterback. He put his body on the line last year. He tried to play hurt. He did the things that he you expect a quarterback to do. We've seen this. Uh, By a lot of quarterbacks. When a quarterback gets hurt, what do they do? They sit out for five, six, seven, eight weeks. Baker Mayfield, practically, they taped his arm together, his shoulder together, so he can get out on the field and play football. And you expect that. You want a quarterback to go out there and put his, his body on the line to show his team and his teammates that he will do anything he can to try to get this team and give this team a W. So... I think a lot of fans have been harsh on him and and attacking his wife. Now, his wife should not be getting involved with the media and the press coverage and all the stupid things that she's been answering on her social media and Twitter. And she should keep it quiet. Baker Mayfield's a man. He can handle himself. But... Again, nobody should be attacking Baker Mayfield, and nobody should be attacking him saying that he's a baby. If I was Baker Mayfield, I wouldn't be happy when you know that this team five years ago picked you as the number one pick, you... you, Over the last couple of years, you've seen growth of this team, a change of this team. And and with the talent that they have and maybe a healthy Baker Mayfield in his fifth year, maybe he shows uh, the ownership in the GM that he could be the guy for the next five to six years. And now all of a sudden, he don't want to be there anymore because he doesn't think that the organization respects him. He doesn't think that the fans respect him. So why should I be there? So you know what? Trade him.
4: Jeff says, Deshaun is going to Atlanta. I believe that, too. And uh, John says, who even says Watson is even leaving? Because we know the NFL is going to suspend him half a season. Well, he wants to leave, John. It's just a matter of They're not
3: suspending him half a season. He's been sitting out for two years.
4: Can they get a trade partner is the question. Because the teams that are willing to take that kind of chance, like we were just saying, the Saints don't have the money right now. They're going to have to try to trade a bunch of other pieces if they want to make that work. And Atlanta is kind of in that weird state where they progress nicely. Do you want to stop your your rebuild? Because they just purged a lot of money like the Saints did the last two years too and got a lot of bad contracts off their team too from a lot of that from the team that lost in the Super Bowl so I don't know if there's a situation right now for that kind of thing to work now teams will emerge later based on these other quarterback trades that end up happening Indianapolis still has all this money now with the Texans trade him a division rival. I mean, I, at this point, you might have to try just because you need something out of this kind of value. And there will be other teams that emerge too, especially if these cases get uh, the, the cases get dropped more and more, where you could comfortably say, even if he does get suspended a little bit this season, you could comfortably at least roll with him as a franchise quarterback. And if you think you have enough talent to win, I guess, before the suspension's over, like the Steelers did when Big Ben was suspended, then maybe they'll, that team could think, okay, I can make that kind of thing work and manage it for the time being. So it'll, th- that's the dilemma the Texans have. As terms of Watson on the, on the Texans, he's as good as gone. He's not playing another snap for the Texans.
3: And here's a team that should be very interested in Baker Mayfield. That's the Seattle Seahawks. If Baker Mayfield becomes available, Seattle just traded Russell – uh, Wilson, uh, they got a load of picks. Now, maybe they keep their two first rounds, but they got an extra one next year. Maybe they give one of their picks next year. Uh, you're not going to have to give much for Baker Mayfield because he's on a fifth-year option, uh, and and he, you know he's disgruntled. He doesn't want to be there. So maybe if you give a first and a second, maybe a first next year and a second this year, that could get it done for Baker Mayfield. It really could. Maybe a little bit more. Maybe a third. But you're not going to have to give two first-round draft picks because no. Baker, uh, Baker has, is on his fifth-year option, and he don't want to be there. And everybody knows he doesn't want to be there. So does that benefit your organization on moving him? Probably not. But if he doesn't want to be there, why keep him? By the way, Jeff has arrived. What's going on, Jeff? Good evening, Captain Clown Shoes.
4: No, that's me tonight, Jeff. Not Errol.
0: Ah, same thing. No. You guys are two halves of the the same person. Anyways, uh, Deshaun Watson's going to Atlanta.
3: It seems like that. I mean, everything that I've read is it, it was down to two no, teams: the Saints no, and it, and the no, Atlanta it's Falcons.
0: It's done. It's a done deal. They're just working on the compensation because uh, Matt Ryan was do a $7 million roster bonus tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And Atlanta went to him and said, we need to delay that until Tuesday, and Matt Ryan agreed. And so they'll have the weekend to work out the details. But by Monday morning, for sure, Sean Watson is going to be an Atlanta Falcon, and, and Matt Ryan will be on the move somewhere else. Where do you because think he, Matt Ryan goes? Wait, or... Because, well, it, de- it depends. It, it depends if Matt Ryan is going is to be held on to buy Atlanta for Atlanta to move or if he's going to be included in the compensation for the Deshaun Watson deal in which um, Houston would then move him to probably Carolina or mm. maybe Cleveland but it but he won't be going to Indianapolis because they're not going to trade a
4: quarterback in division very interesting that Ryan might go to Indianapolis though maybe no he
3: just no, said they're not going to trade him no no, no but well, Atlanta that, might trade him possible, if they hold on to right, him yeah right it's
0: possible that that would happen if Atlanta held on to him but if if, if he went to Houston, that wouldn't happen. Right.
4: No, no, I understand that. I'm thinking so, there's maybe because the, the Falcons are not going to want to have more than half their salary cap strapped into two quarterbacks.
0: And honestly, the best guess out of the whole thing would be that Matt Ryan probably ends up in Cleveland and Cleveland trades Baker Mayfield. Okay. Because I'd be willing to bet you that part of the compensation if Matt Ryan went to Houston as part of the compensation, that part of the deal would be that they couldn't just turn around and flip him to Carolina. Because I'm sure that yeah. I'm sure that Atlanta wouldn't want him being in division.
3: Right. Yeah. So uh, where does where does Baker Mayfield go?
0: You'll, you'll, I, I can see him ending up in Indianapolis.
3: Indianapolis. How about Seattle? <laughs> Drew Lock, baby. <laughs> That's a lot of
4: trust, Steph.
0: Listen, listen, dude. They don't really have any other choice. They're basically tanking. The rest of their division is getting really good, right? And they're—they, I mean, you can't compete in this league without a quarterback. And they just gave away their quarterback. So what do they think they're going to do? They're—they're they're sucking for whoever the next quarterback is.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it's going to be the Alabama quarterback. So maybe he's one of them.
0: Yeah. There's a couple of dudes next year.
3: Yeah. So. But- I mean, if you look at, you know, the Baker Mayfield thing and and my rant uh, on Baker Mayfield is I feel bad for Baker. Jeff, because I don't, I, I know you don't, and I knew you were going to say that you don't. But I feel bad for him because I, I don't like how the fans treated him last year. This guy was practically, you know, being duct taped. His arm was being duct taped to go and play in the game. He was trying to keep his team in the game. He was trying to play hard for this team. And not only did he get attacked by the the Cleveland fans, the organization wasn't protecting their player. And I think. I mean, the Cleveland Browns have always done this. We've seen this. Because that you know. organization's worse than you. If you think you
0: wear clown shoes, what do you think uh, Jimmy Haslam wears? Jesus.
3: Yeah, you're the biggest clown of them all, so I kiss my you ass, have You know,
0: they've always, <laughs> been, they've always been a clown franchise, mm. always. So it doesn't surprise me that they wouldn't have their players' backs and, and things like that. And you're I mean, I was the one that told you before, like it's a double-edged sword for Baker Mayfield, Right. He duct taped himself together, like you said. He went out there and played, and they killed him for it. He could have said, screw it, I'm sitting. I need the surgery, which he had surgery in the offseason. He could have said, oh, I'm getting the surgery. And and they would have killed him for that. So nothing would have made those
3: people happy. I think better off that Baker just moves on with his career and goes somewhere else where he I think could he could be more respected with another organization. Maybe goes to an offensive guy, an uh, offensive coach, or an offensive coordinator that can actually uh, you know transition his game. Because Frank Wright, right. Frank Wright, yes. Well, yeah, and and John Suggs, Falcons have a first round an eighth pick, uh, a second round, 43rd and, and pick. Yeah, rounders, two second rounders. Yeah, Right, from a, the Julio Jones yeah, trade. A yeah, a 43, a 58, and also a six-round compensation pick. They could offer a first round this year, a 2023, a 2024, and this year's comp pick. So that's what that's what John Suggs is saying right now but on the feed. But, but the
0: compensation will get interesting, right? Because we've seen before, like the Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford trade, that a quarterback went back. So if if even if they gave the next five first rounders, say, which they won't, but I'm just yeah. being ridiculous to, for a point, right? It, which is okay. Say you give away the next five first rounders, but you also get Matt Ryan back. Well, you're going to trade him for a couple of first rounders anyway. So what would it matter?
4: I don't know if Matt Ryan with his contract is going to get that kind of thing. I know they restructured it just recently, but I don't think he'll get two first-rounders. Of first course rounders. he would.
0: You don't think, if, if you don't think that if Indianapolis called and give up two first-rounders because they're ready to win now? You don't think well, they don't win. have
4: one. They don't have a first-rounder. So they, they would have to they would have to give up next year's 1st round.
0: round. See, this is why you're stupid, Speedy. This is exactly why you're stupid. Just because they don't have one this year doesn't mean they don't have one to give away. Do so they have one next year? Do so they have one the year after that? So they have one the year after that? They have first-round picks to give away.
3: Yeah, but I don't think – being that Matt Ryan is like 37, 38 years old, I would not give up two first-round draft picks for him. Maybe I, I would give up a first-round for him. Uh, you've, first seen it, you've seen it
0: before from them. They're, they're the franchise yes. that went and got a 78-year-old with 13 children, Philip Rivers.
3: <laughs> yeah, but they didn't give up a first-round draft pick for him.
0: Right, but they're used to having an older guy and just kicking the can down the road on the problem. No
3: question, but I, you don't give up your future. Two first-round draft picks for a Matt Ryan. Now Matt Ryan's still good; he can still but play. Ready to
0: win, but they're ready to yeah, win. Yeah, but
3: all right. So you don't think that if you gave a, a first and a third for Matt Ryan, they wouldn't do it? it?
0: Doesn't. It doesn't matter. All I'm saying to you is that he's part of the compensation. Yeah, you're going to recoup some of what you paid. Probably by selling Matt Ryan.
3: Probably. Not, I, not I would probably, agree. Definitely. If
0: you're, if you, even if you're selling him for a seventh rounder, you're recouping some of what you paid, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say so. Yeah. No, definitely. So uh, listen, I, I think Matt Ryan. I don't know if they're going to trade Matt Ryan in this trade. They quite possibly could. I doubt it. I think that what they're going to do is they're going to give away picks, and that's that's the compensation. And I think eventually...
0: I, I, think, that's, I think that's the fly ointment in this whole thing between those teams because if you look at those two divisions, Atlanta doesn't want them to go into Carolina, and Houston doesn't want them going to Indianapolis. Mm. So I'm sure if they're swinging a deal for it, the deal's going to be trade them to Cleveland or trade them to Seattle.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, Seattle would be a good fit over there. I mean, D.K. Metcalf is still there. They They have Tyler Lockett. I think this team... Still capable of winning with the players that they have over there, uh, even without a Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson wasn't 100 percent healthy last year. Uh, they did not play well, and when he did come back, he wasn't 100. percent So Matt Ryan could go to Seattle. I think he fit the best in Indianapolis. Here's I really a wild do.
4: card too. If the 49ers trade Jimmy Garoppolo, do they target Matt Ryan?
5: He played with Kyle how Shanahan. About Mi- how
0: about Miami? Why would you? Why would you target? Why would that be the thing when you just signed Nate Sudfeld and you also and with the third pick drafted Trey Lance? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
4: I don't know how ready they think Trey Lance is. That's the uh, that was the main thing of why they're going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. Well yeah, but we knew he was raw anyway though. So, Oh, uh,
0: well, then how many seasons are you going to sit him before you find out if he That's can
3: not play? bad. John Suggs is not that's not not bad. Uh how about uh Titans and the 49ers? The 49ers, uh obviously uh Kyle Shanahan over there with the 49ers, uh you, you but they have to then they would have to move Jimmy Garoppolo. Now Jimmy Garoppolo is still there. That
0: doesn't really that doesn't really work either as far as maybe with Garoppolo and John's got a point with Garoppolo, but I you're running into the same problem if you're talking about Matt Ryan because mm. if, if we're talking about that both of those teams don't want him in division that team is in Houston's division
3: mm. it it's so interesting because of the the the, the quarterback movement this this offseason it's been it, it, we we expected this to happen. Now uh, I thought there were going to be more quarterback movements because we we were hearing it really in the offseason. This guy wants out. This guy wants out. Now you're hearing Baker Mayfield, who's starting quarterback for Cleveland. He looks like he's on. He wants his uh, he wants to get out of Cleveland. Uh, Atlanta could be moving on for Matt Ryan and bringing in uh, Deshaun Watson. So you have three starting quarterbacks, quality quarterbacks that could be on the move in the next twenty-four to forty-eight hours. So it's crazy the way. And, and Jameis Winston's still available. You're right, uh, John. And, and and even no one wants Captain Crabble. I, I don't <laughs> want to be. No, nobody wants him, but somebody will probably take him. And, and
0: yeah, like no, like Jameis Winston is the the fat kid that gets picked last at, at, at kickball, <laughs> right? Like that's what he is. Everyone's talking about Baker. No one's, no one's even asking about Jameis. Why? Because he's a bum. And then whoever needs a leftover dude gets Jameis. Whoever has last picks.
3: No, and that's the Saints. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you this. Matt Ryan would be beautiful in in New Orleans. I I think he would fit perfectly over there. Which will never happen. I know. I know. In the division. division. I know. I know. But he would fit perfect over there or Indianapolis. Those are the two teams that if if I was looking to move Matt Ryan or you know and I'm trying to fit him somewhere, I would say either either Indianapolis or New Orleans. I, that's that's it. I mean, him going to Houston, they're going to probably trade him or buy him out. I mean, they have Mills over there. Mills looked really, really good last year, and I expect them to move forward with Mills. Deshaun Watson has been wanting out for the longest time, and now who would have thought that Atlanta would win the sweepstakes here? Now, what are they going to give up for him? That's the question. Are they going to give up three first-round draft picks like everybody's been saying? I, I wouldn't say three. I think I would say two first rounds and maybe two third rounds would do the trick. Um, there, he's not worth two first rounds and two seconds. Uh, like uh, Russell Wilson uh, and and some of the players, so <laughs> John says Matt Ryan is Chicago. LOL, not gonna I happen. Mean,
4: I,
0: don't, I don't want to wholesale dismiss that he could be moved in division, but I mean you'd admit that it's really stupid, far fetched.
3: Right yeah, here. they would have to give up more. For Matt Ryan to be traded in in the division. And, and again, I don't know if you're going to have to give up a first round draft pick for Matt Ryan. It all depends on the market for him and who really wants him. If the team knows that there are two or three teams begging him for him, so then you can start to wiggle up that first round, maybe a third round pick, and you can get a lot back for Matt Ryan. If only one team's reaching out to you— then you're not going to get a first round draft pick unless you you sell very well, and that depends on the team and the organization. Uh, if it's Cleveland, <laughs> I'll tell you this: uh, you could get a lot from Cleveland because they're a stupid organization. They've always been a stupid organization. You if want
0: to talk about stupid organizations, right? Because you're talking a lot about a lot of people. Acquiring a lot of players, you're seeing, mm-hmm. oh, the, the Raiders are getting these guys. The Chargers mm-hmm. are getting these guys. Mm-hmm. You know who's a bum franchise oh. that hasn't done a damn thing and lost everything they've ever had?
3: Dallas. What <laughs> a of a
0: franchise. That bum franchise couldn't even trade for a seventh-round pick one of the best left tackles in the game. What an embarrassing franchise. Their big offseason signing is long snapper Jake McQueen. <laughs> you have to be kidding
4: me. Uh, before we go to break, uh, we have our guest waiting. John says, uh, Winston was balling before he got hurt last year, though. Yeah, that was with Sean Payton. Good luck with another coach. And then Snug says, Matt Ryan for Baker Mayfield.
3: Yeah. And... Imagine being
0: one of these mouth-breathing loser cowboy fans. Incredible how bad they must feel, huh? <laughs> you, you gave away Amari Cooper for a fifth-round draft pick. Your bum franchise couldn't even sell Lyle Collins. And congratulations, Zeke Elliott's making fifteen million, and, and Dak Prescott's going to make his forty-five. Good for
4: you, guys. but don't worry, he can run on the same offensive line as Barry Sanders.
0: That's oh, we're, we're going to
3: find out now, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: we're
3: going to find
0: out now that what a bum franchise.
3: <laughs> Jeff, call Who back. Are the-
0: who are these people that are fans of Dallas? They should actually walk to a they should just walk to the water and keep walking on in. Just keep going.
3: <laughs> Jeff, definitely call back after our guest. Cheers, fellas. <laughs> Jeff from Tampa. Oh man. He's right. I mean, Dallas has done nothing. <laughs> yep. They've done nothing. They've lost so many players, man. They lost Collins now today. They released him. Made no sense why they would release him. If you renegotiate a deal with LaMarcus, uh, 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 DeMarcus, I'm sorry, Lawrence. DeMarcus Lawrence, uh, and I, I'm looking at DeMarcus Lawrence, why would you renegotiate a deal with DeMarcus Lawrence when he's been horrible and he couldn't stay healthy for the last two years? You give him a hundred and some million dollar contract a couple of years ago where he becomes one of the highest paid defensive linemen in all of football. He did nothing. He couldn't stay healthy. He had one good season where he had 15 sacks and he was a defensive player of the year, you know, you know, on the list of the top defensive player of the year. He didn't win. So And now all of a sudden you get a big contract like that. It's a horrible, horrible move by Dallas. And then you give up Mamari Cooper for nothing. You give up Amari Cooper for nothing. What did you get? A fifth and a sixth? That's the sixth round
5: pick. <laughs> I mean,
3: horrible. I mean, that's a horrible move by Dallas. And they're going into a season right now where they were a, a playoff contender. I, I, I mean, they're in a terrible division, but the Eagles have gotten better. Even the Giants have the gotten Eagles better. The Eagles will have
4: three first round picks. Washington also.
3: Commanders have gotten better. And the Dallas Cowboys gotten worse. Mm-hmm. So everybody thinks, and I, I listened to the beef yesterday, Dallas is still going to win the division. I don't know about that.
4: I think the Eagles, if they draft all those picks well, I think they're very well set up for that kind of thing. Because their roster is pretty balanced. They just, they're just they just top-heavy, and uh, they're just older in certain areas, too, that were good for so long.
3: When we come back, we'll be talking to freelance Dynasty Fantasy Football content creator Jesse Reeves here on the sports Loud
0: you you are listening to the worldwide sports radio network. This is the sports loudmouth.
3: We are back, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, this is the Sports Loud Mouse. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host Speedy Petey. You can call us at 631 631- 6723108 you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com download our app by going iOS WWSRN or Android worldwide sports radio network. Thank you Jeff for your craziness and hopefully we get him back on after our special guest I would like to thank uh, Tabali he was fantastic great mm-hmm. interview by him. Uh, really going back, his background of his NFL career, talking a little, uh, obviously music. Uh, he knows a lot about music and I want to check out his music and hopefully we could get connected Speedy, You get us connected, uh, you know, after the show, because, uh, I think me and him could do a little bit of work together for, you know, the background of music I've been doing over the last couple of years. But anyways, we have our second guest. We are now talking to freelance dynasty fantasy football content creator, Jesse Reeves. What's going on, Jesse? What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for having me on tonight, man. Absolutely, man. And, I, you know, Speedy was telling me we are going to get another content creator, a guy that does fantasy football. And, and we had a lot of fantasy football guys on this show. I, I think we've had over 30 of them in the last past year. And 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 you all are very unique, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Because when we we talk about you know certain positions, are we talking about the quarterback position or the wide receiver position? And you're trying to calculate who's going to have a good season and who's not going to have a good season next year, either by you know the quarterback that he's going to be playing with, or the wide receiver he's going to play with, or even the offensive line that they're going to have. It's very interesting on how you guys really calculate on how you're going to pick a guy in a fantasy, you know, fantasy league. So, it's very unique.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, there's there's so many different really really good content creati- creators out there. They all have a different style of the way they draft the format that we play, um our approach to how we Come up and formulate what players we're gonna pick. It's it. I mean, when you get heavy into it, man, it comes down to like a science. So it's a lot of fun to digest. Personally, I'm more of a numbers guy. Mm. I rely on the numbers. Numbers don't lie. People people do. Okay, so I, I trust the numbers a lot of the time. Um, but I'm also a huge like real football fan. You know, so I love you know Sundays are lockdown Sundays for me. I don't leave the couch. We watch every single game. We got the Sunday taken on so. I like to watch football. I enjoy the sport. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where, that's kind of where I'm at with my process, but it, it it is really, really fun. And I know we're in the middle of an off season right now, but there's a lot of stuff going on right now, man. There's a lot of stuff going on in free agency in the real football world that has some fantasy implications. So Excited
3: to be here and talk a little bit of football with you guys tonight, man. As you guys know, we are talking to freelance Dynasty Fantasy Football content creator Jesse Rees. If you're wondering who he is, why don't we get into today? I mean, the story coming out that Devontae Adams gets traded to the, not the Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, in probably the more dynamic divisions we've seen getting built this offseason with the L.A. Chargers adding the players that they have, the Broncos adding the quarterback that they have, and then obviously Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. When you heard that Devontae Adams is going to be a Las Vegas Raider, what, what, what could you see in a fantasy point of view, where the terms of that trade? OK, well, first and foremost,
1: from a real football perspective, I, I'm I'm upset about it. OK, I'm upset because I am a lifelong Chargers fan. And just when you feel like you're getting kind of comfortable with where you're standing, you make a lot of defensive you know, moves and we're, we're moving and grooving. They go and they get the best wide receiver in the game. And for me, from a fantasy perspective, it's exciting. I think it's exciting for Derek Carr, Derek Carr for um for everything that he's gone through in the media, for everything that he goes through every single year. He is more of a middle-of-the-pack middle, middle of the pack fantasy and real-life quarterback, but I think this elevates his floor a little bit more. He's coming off a really, really good season, in my opinion, um, especially on, for what that team's record was. From a fantasy perspective, he's coming off of a pretty, pretty dynamic season. And, I, I mean, outside of Amari Cooper, a young Amari Cooper, this is the best player. This is the best offensive weapon he's... Has ever had, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I mean, I love Darren Waller. I think Hunter Renfro is an incredible route runner. He's a really, really good wide receiver and somebody that I actually invested heavily in in my fantasy drafts when he was drafted. Um, and so I'm excited to see how it's going to pan out. As a Chargers fan, I'm upset. I'm angry. But um, it does add a little bit of fuel to the fire. I'm excited. For Devontae Adams in particular, I'm not sure because he's going from one of the most prolific quarterbacks in the game that we've seen over – you know, the duration of his entire career. We're coming off of, you know, a decade plus of just incredible, incredible production where that offense was largely filtered through him. I mean, their wide receiver twos are Randall Cobb, uh, Alan Lazard, who I really enjoy too. Like, you know, you pick them up in your fantasy drafts now because the Devontae Adams is gone. But that offense really largely filtered through Devontae Adams. And it's going to be interesting to see um, how much of the Raiders offense and, and that target share is going to be filtered through Devontae Adams this 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 upcoming season. I think it's going to be a lot. Devontae Adams is a he's a target hog. He's one of those guys that commands a very large percentage of the target share there. I wouldn't expect that to change. But is Derek Carr going to be able to get him the ball consistently? Is he going to be able to pay dividends the way Aaron Rodgers did in those crunch time situations or just regular game flow situations? And it begs a lot of questions on, um, you know, does Devontae Adams ceiling from, you know, a an, an extremely plus points per game average i think we're looking at the number is roughly about 21.5 points per game in fantasy ppr leagues is that going to kind of come down even if it does and he's sitting in that 17 16 range he's still a top eight wide receiver in in among all wide receivers in ppr formats but Mm. if that does come down a little bit i mean it's going to be an interesting thing to to kind of watch. So from a fantasy perspective, I'm excited to watch it. I just don't know if Derek Carr is going to be able to funnel him the
4: ball as much as, you know, an Aaron Rodgers did. So from the other perspective of the Josh McDaniels perspective coming to the Raiders mm-hmm. as the coach. Now the Patriots offense revolves a lot around the tight ends, the pass catching running backs, not as much from a fantasy perspective, the receivers. Yes. You'll have your PPR monsters like Welker was at the time, Edelman guys like that, but they weren't like considered top 10 receivers for fantasy. So yep. from a, from that kind of perspective, both with Devante Adams and also those other targets that you mentioned, what do you think will end up being the outcomes for them?
1: Well, I think I don't think you trade your first round pick and your second round pick this year and you pay a guy a five year hundred and forty one million dollar contract if he's not going to be the guy. I think they brought him in to be the guy. And obviously that's going to be a little bit of a hit to Hunter Renfro and a Darren Waller. But in, in my opinion, like you just don't spend that type of draft capital and you don't spend that type of money to come in if you're not going to give a guy 10 plus targets a game. I think that's in the plan. Now, whether or not Josh McDaniels is going to be able to consistently scheme that up for that offense, that remains to be seen right now. it You know, his his past offenses, like you mentioned, are going to be funneled a lot through the tight end position and being able to do dump offs to your to your running backs and being able to get them in space. I mean, Devontae Adams has proved time and time again, it does not matter. He is the alpha on the field. And I, looking at the numbers, looking what he's commanded on, you know, in his time in Green Bay, I just don't see any way that you can't have him on the field and look at him and be like, that's, that's just the guy, you know, similar to kind of De- DeAndre Hopkins leaving Houston and going to Arizona. He's just going to slot in and be that guy. He's going to be the guy that they're going to funnel their offense through. As everybody
3: knows, we are talking to freelance Dynasty Fantasy football content creator Jesse Reeves. Jesse, you look at the AFC, and the AFC is really just booming. Uh, you're really in the free agency market, even here in New York. Uh, the Jets have made quality moves. They added Conklin. They added uh, C.J. Uzma. I mean, you add the tight end uh, talent that they had. They added Tomlinson. When you look at you know the New York Jets and what they've done so far this offseason, because there's a lot of New York fans listening to the show – what are your thoughts going into a new season with Zach Wilson? Does this team really transition and and obviously become the team that a lot of people have been expecting for the last twenty years?
1: You know, I really hope so because i had I have a, quite a few shares of Zach Wilson in a couple of my dynasty leagues, and I think he can potentially take that next step they um if I remember correctly, you, there's been a couple pieces that were added to the offensive line if i if I remember correctly or am i you know, am I misreading that? Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. think they they kind of bolstered that a little bit too, mm-hmm. um, and it's just going to be kind of interesting to see: can they protect him? Can they can they let Zach Wilson do what he does best, which is get in space, make off platform throws, and give him the opportunity to do that? Now, another guy that I'm really intrigued by too is is, is Elijah Moore. Mm-hmm. Okay, he kind of came on at the end of last year. Um, I think we're looking at he had roughly about uh, seventy seven targets, which is really really good the, the a good target share that we're looking from for a rookie. And he finished in the top 50 of all uh, PPR wide receivers last year. So I'm really intrigued by him. It's just going to be interesting. There's a lot of ebbs and flows. The Jets kind of have this sort of stink about them right now after Sam Darnold and then transitioning to this new rookie quarterback that was kind of a turnover machine last year, right? So from a fantasy perspective, we're hoping that he's able to take that big jump kind of mitigate a lot of those turnovers. And he did have some really good games down the stretch. Somebody that I'm really eyeing in my fantasy drafts as, especially if you're playing in a super flex league, somebody that can just be that shoe in for that quarterback too. He's not a guy that I'm, that I'm looking to invest in super, super early, but definitely in the middle rounds, I'm looking to grab some Zach Wilson shares and hope that he can really take that next step.
4: So you mentioned you were a chargers fan. So they were one of the heavy spenders of free agency and also the Khalil max trade too. And we've seen the chargers be notoriously cheap where they don't keep their players. A lot of the time, for second contracts outside of like Ladanian Tomlinson, Antonio Gates, guys like that, that are franchise icons. Uh, so do you think it's a changing of the guard for the chargers where it comes to the ownership, maybe stepping away and maybe letting the football guys do it more? Cause I think your GM is brilliant and drafted very well the last five years, but there's other factors that have hindered the charger from taking that next step. So do you think this is the time to really make that kind of move? And is it a changing of the guard for them? Uh, I think it kind of, I think it is right
1: now. I think, you're you're looking at a team that has Brandon Staley's fingerprints all over it right now. I think he came in last year and he knew that the, the team that he was inheriting was going to come with a really, really strong quarterback. And it had a lot of good offensive weapons in Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. They went in, they drafted Rashawn Slater at 13 last year. And I think you saw them kind of fortify the trenches signing Corey Lindsley to a massive deal as well. And Brandon Staley came in and understood that the, the team that he was inheriting had a lot of talent, but it was going to take him implementing his entire system coming in and really putting his fingerprint on that team for them to succeed. And I think you're seeing that kind of pay dividends this off season. I think another big factor too, is you, you have to capitalize on, on having a star rookie or star quarterback on a rookie deal. You have to do it because Justin Herbert is going to get paid. He's going to end up getting paid somewhere in the ballpark, probably that Patrick Mahomes money, especially if they go deep into the playoffs this upcoming year. And it's, you know, every, all the moves that they've made start to pay those dividends. If they make a deep playoff run this year, Justin Herbert is going to command a large contract. So you have to utilize the window of having a rookie quarterback to be able to add all of these pieces and the cap space that they had this year and bringing in all the defensive talent. Now it's time to kind of flip that, that, that coin. And when we enter the draft, it's time to add some offensive weapons. I mean, I think the two glaring holes on on the offense right now are the wide receiver and the right tackle position. We can get away with having storm Norton as a rookie tackle, or excuse me, not a rookie tackle, right tackle right now. I think it's time to add that offensive, that, that dynamic playmaker. You know, you have Mike Williams, who's a 50, 50 ball specialist, uh, Keenan Allen, who's a route running savant, and he's just one of those guys that commands that immediate attention. He's that wide receiver one. Now it's time to go in and get some dynamic playmaking ability and give Justin Herbert somebody to throw down the field to. So I'm excited for that team. I'm really, really excited for the trajectory of them. Unfortunately, it seems that the whole division is understanding that, that there's a lot of potential uh, happening with the Chargers, and they seem everybody's kind of stacking up right now and, and, and adding their own offensive pieces and adding defense and everything, man. So it's going to be an interesting year for that team. I think they're creating that two-year window right now for a legitimate Super Bowl run, and with a quarterback like Justin Herbert, I mean, you have to, you absolutely have to. Uh,
3: now, Jesse, you look at Denver. They had Russell Wilson. Uh, I, I, you, you listened to his press conference the other day. He looks very, very happy. He wanted to go to the big city. He didn't really go to the big city because Denver really is like Seattle. It's, it's a, it's a big city for football, but not the city that he wanted. He wanted to go to L.A., uh, but obviously both L.A. teams have their quarterback in Matthew Stafford, and obviously you just said Justin Herbert. And then over there on the East Coast, the Jets have Zach Wilson and the Giants' Daniel Jones, where a lot of people thought that Russell Wilson quite possibly could be traded to the Giants. That wasn't going to happen with, uh, obviously, Dable heading over there. He wasn't going to bring in Russell Wilson in his first year. When you look at this Broncos team, they've got a bunch of weapons. Javante Williams, uh, a young running back, really showed everybody why he was drafted so high in the second round. Jerry Judy... Cortland Sutton, I mean, Patrick Sertan on on the defensive side of the ball, Bradley Chubb, Justin Simmons. I mean, this team is stacked defensively, offensively. they got a a lot of offensive weapons. They just needed the quarterback. Drew Locke wasn't the answer. Teddy Bridgewater wasn't the answer. You add Russell Wilson in this division, this stacked division, what do you see Russell Wilson at 100% with the weapons that they have over there with the Denver Broncos?
1: Yeah, I'm excited for it because Denver felt like one of those teams that were legitimately just a commanding force at quarterback kind of away from being a, a playoff contender, right? It felt like one of the only things that was really holding them back was having that that just alpha quarterback. And Russell Wilson just adds a lot of dynamic ability. He can run. He can heave it down the field. He's got a beautiful deep ball. And he's a guy that, you know, he... he excuse me, he was a guy that came in with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. He's had so many incredible players around him, and now he's going to a place in Denver where they have a lot of key pieces there. I mean, don't count out Tim Patrick is somebody that I think is going to be, he's going to be a force as well. I think when you look at Jerry Judy, who had a down season this year, granted he missed about seven or eight games. If I remember correctly, he had a, a really, really prolific rookie profile coming out his analytics really really shined and this is kind of a make or break season for him hopefully he can stay healthy Cortland Sutton uh coming off of that ACL two seasons ago last season he was okay right it, again it comes down to them not having a signal caller that can get him the ball but still finished in that top 45 in all PPR wide receivers as well and they have like you like you mentioned Javante Williams I know Belvin Gordon is still kind of up in the air but Javante Williams is somebody that I think you give him that volume and he's going to be very, very close to one of the top 10 backs in the league, especially from a fantasy perspective. Don't count. Don't, you know, overlook their offensive line either. I think they're, they're he's coming into a situation that has a pretty good offensive line, probably better than he's ever had in Seattle. And I think he's going to be able to make a lot of moves. I think you're looking at Russell Wilson going to be fantasy-relevant, real football-relevant, and it just does a lot for that franchise right now.
4: So from a dynasty football and fantasy football perspective, how does it benefit these targets? Because Russell Wilson's always been a guy that spreads the ball around a lot. And the Seahawks, I've always been one that's been reluctant to draft their fantasy players outside of Marshawn Lynch because they're so streaky, too. Are you worried about that kind of thing with the Broncos? No, not really. I mean...
1: it's it's going to be hard pressed to say that you can create the type of playmakers that a DK Metcalf and a Tyler Lockett were. But when we look at just even their volume metrics, I mean, DK Metcalf last year had 129 targets, Tyler Lockett, 107. And if you look, you kind of compare Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton to that, they might not be that same duo, but there's enough of Russell Wilson to go around for both of those guys. And both of those guys are extreme playmakers in, in their own way. So I think that, you know, he can support, you know, two, two top 15 essentially wide receivers. So I don't see that necessarily changing. I think it's going to be with, um, I think it's going to be kind of a, a different feel. I'm not sure how that offense is going to look this year, but Russell Wilson being Russell Wilson is a really, really good sign for that wide receiver core from a dynasty perspective. I'm not going out and trading for Russell Wilson right now. I mean, he's, what, 37, if I remember correctly? I mean, he's he's 33 right now. I'm I don't think I'm going out looking to trade for him, but his offensive pieces that are, are definitely guys that I'm intrigued by, especially Jerry Judy, because I think you can get him for a pretty I mean, right now the hype is is really hot for him right now, but I I really think you can go out and get him for a good deal. Um, Cortland Sutton as well. And, you know, Javante Williams is virtually untouchable right now in in, in all your dynasty leagues. He's going to cost you a fortune, but for the overall offense, I I really think that it's going to be a really, a really big impact uh, in in fantasy terms.
3: We are talking to freelance dynasty fantasy football content creator, Jesse Reeves, Jesse, the 49ers uh, went all the way to the NFC title (gasps) game last year. I'm not a big Kyle Shanahan fan. As everybody knows on this show, uh, but he's got a lot of weapons defensively. His offensive game, they, they they have a three-headed monster over there. They weren't 100% healthy last year. Their offensive line was fantastic. Uh, they lose Tomlinson. He goes to the Jets. So it definitely hurts uh, their offense uh, going into the offseason. But all in all, this team is very well built together Jimmy Garoppolo is still there. I'm very surprised because at the end of the season, after the playoffs, he was saying his goodbyes, and he was saying that he wants to go to a team that's a contender. He's still there with the 49ers. I would expect him to obviously eventually give his – you know, his quarterback play to the new rookie, the, the player that they traded for, gave up a significant amount of picks back for, and Trey Lance. Where do you see this team going in, going into the new season in 2022-2023? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because from everything
1: that we heard in the offseason was that, you know, the 49ers were going to ship Jimmy Garoppolo out, right? I believe this is his, this is his last year of his contract, if I remember correctly. One thing I will say, though, is – Kyle Shanahan is a quarterback who can kind of scheme around any and everybody you've seen it. He's, he made Debo Samuel an absolute monster at, at almost every position this year. And uh, Elijah Mitchell coming out as well. I mean, he was a late round draft pick, but almost any running back that goes to that system is just, if they get the volume, I mean, they're really, really good. I do hope that Elijah Mitchell sticks, but, What's kind of intriguing about the Jimmy G situation is he knows Shanahan's expectations. He knows that scheme and he's executed it to a very high level. Now, he's not the best quarterback in the game, but he is a guy that can get you to that NFC championship. So I really, really think that the 49ers kind of dug themselves in a little bit of a hole with trading up to get Trey Lance. I like Trey Lance, but it's apparent. I mean, Jimmy G was banged up towards the end of the season. He had the thumb issue as well, and he still came out and play. They were willing to play Jimmy G at 75% over letting their young rookie quarterback, who's just kind of a gunslinger, who can get off platform, who can run around, has a lot of rushing ability, who's supposed to be the guy. They were more comfortable rolling with Jimmy in that situation. At 75%, then they were letting Trey Lance kind of have the reins. I think that's very telling. I think that's an interesting situation that we're going to monitor. If Jimmy does stick in in San Francisco for another year, I I fully expect him to be the starter.
4: So Debo Samuel is somebody that, because he was a top-five finish for Fantasy and a great receiver all around this year, is somebody that – could be an influencer on the rest of the game. We're seeing a lot more of the hybrid players now with these wide receivers. A lot of wide receivers that are drafted recently, guys like LaVisca Chenault and Elijah Moore, they were saying one of their traits is they can run out of the backfield too and stuff like that too. So can you see that kind of thing being the norm? And also, how do you take that kind of approach from a fantasy perspective?
1: Well, I mean, those guys are probably as valuable as it's going to get, right? I mean, those guys can do it all. They can get you points from any perspective of the game. And generally, they're the ones that are on the field, especially a guy like Debo Samuel. When you saw them get into, um, you know, some jet sweeps or even just straight up out of the backfield, you saw him being the guy that was going to touch that football even out of the backfield. They manufactured targets for him from a routes perspective. They pretty much got him involved at any way in any way that they could. So, fantasy goldmine right there. I do think that that's kind. I don't know if it's going to be a regularity. I think that there's a certain skill set and scheme that really, really goes into those, those types of players. I mean, you look at another one like Cordell Patterson, right? He was somebody who really shined this year with Atlanta and he was somebody that the Vikings drafted to kind of replace Percy Harvin in that role, right? With somebody that could take it out of the backfield. That's just a home run hitter. It's hard to replicate. It's hard to, to, to get a player that can do that and be just almost an every down weapon. There are a couple players that are coming up in this year's draft. I know Traylon Burks is somebody that's like that. He is going to be somebody that I think the team that decides to grab him could be in a really, really good position to get, you know, a a guy that can do it all like that. I don't know if it's easy to replicate that right there. You have to have a really special player, but I would assume that more teams see, see Debo and they want to try it, right? You want to give those opportunities to a guy that who's big, athletic like that, who's big when he's playing right because Debo, he's not the biggest guy but he plays big he's he's strong he's powerful he's fast he's a really really good blended athlete and i think teams would be would be really wise to to try and bite on some of that athleticism in
3: the draft and see if they can kind of manufacture that too Jesse, there are three teams left that I really want to look at and some of the moves that they've made. One of them are the L.A. Rams today. They, re- they signed Allen Robinson. They're still looking to sign Odell Beckham. They have Woods coming back this off- after the offseason, tearing his Achilles or his uh, ACL, and-, and they still have Cooper Cup. Then you have Jacksonville. Who knows what they're doing? They overpay Christian Kirk, I mean, he's he's one of the highest-paid wide receivers in the league, and he's really a third option from the Arizona Cardinals. Good player, but not great. And he got a lot of money. And and some of the moves they made are kind of like head-scratching. And then Von Miller getting the $120 million contract by Buffalo. What the hell they're doing? What they're doing, they give up all these old players. They drop Hughes. They drop all these old linemen. And they bring in another old guy, 33 years old, and they're overpaying him. So what are they doing?
1: Yeah, the bills. I'm not sure. I think Von Miller is one of those players. I think he was going to command that style that 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 type of contract. And I think that coming off of a Super Bowl, you want to pay for a little bit of that experience, right? Can he replicate that and get the bills past the Chiefs in the playoffs? Can he do what he did for the Rams or the bills? I think he can for maybe a year or two, right? Not five years. I don't know if he's got five years left in him, but listen, I've been proven wrong more times than I can count in my head. So maybe he does have it, but you overpay for a commodity like that that you think can bring you over the edge. So as much as I don't like it necessarily, I understand kind of you know what they're trying to do in Buffalo. The past couple of years, they just have not been able to get past the Chiefs. They have not been able to solidify that spot in the super bowl for the afc so they're swinging for the fences right now and you kind of have to with the way the afc is rolling out right now the afc is very much like the west in uh in the nba right it's just it's just stacked it's a powerhouse from the rams right now they just signed Allen robinson i'm very 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 excited about that because Allen robinson has had to deal with a just a carousel of Mediocre quarterback play. I'm excited to see him come in um, as a receiver and a player. He's not too long in the tooth. I think they're he's, they're probably giving him a, a little bit more than over market price for him. But he is a really really good wide receiver coming off a really really down year. But Matthew Stafford had, I believe, if we're looking at attempts wise in that offense, he's had a, about the fourth or fifth most attempts last year, uh, maybe six behind uh, Ben Big Ben. Excuse me. That offense is throwing. And they're going to be able to support all three of those wide receivers. Now, it looks like the odd man out might be Odell Beckham. I know that the reports are that they want to get him back. But Robert Woods is a, is kind of a stalwart in that offense. He's been there for years. He's kind of the guy that's been that that just one stable piece, especially after the rise of Cooper Cup. He kind of fell by the wayside a little bit. But I would expect the Rams to kind of stick With Robert Woods before Odell Beckham granted Odell Beckham really had a good end of his season last year especially after getting traded there in the playoffs Super Bowl as well so that's an interesting interesting situation to monitor but from a Matthew Stafford uh, perspective I mean what more can you ask for a guy like that right what what more weapons can you ask to give him he's going to be another quarterback that's going to be top seven, top six in, in, in fantasy football next year as well. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay. Um, they're, they're kind of burning money on these wide receivers, you know, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, they're burning. They're they're kind of burning their money on not horrible wide receivers, but not great ones, right? Like for the price that they got Christian Kirk for, you would imagine that they would be able to go and grab, maybe an Odell Beckham and, and then maybe an Allen Robinson, right? Maybe you bring him back. How about re-signing Miles Jack
3: and not letting him go to Pittsburgh? Like, right. Exactly.
1: I'm more so talking from even just like an offensive perspective. It's like you, there's so many different ways they could have allocated that money, right? Defensively as well with Miles Jack. But in my opinion, you're, you're signing, you signed Christian Kirk to just this absolutely massive deal. And at best, he was a wide receiver too in Arizona. I don't think he's going to come on super strong. I mean, maybe they manufacture him a lot of volume in that offense and he becomes, I mean, he was kind of fantasy relevant throughout last year. He wasn't horrible, but just not the type of guy that you throw that type of contract to. Right. I think they're trying to get Trevor Lawrence as many weapons as possible. I think, which is a good sign. You want to get your, you know, your, sophomore quarterback, as many weapons as possible, but they're just not doing it in the right way. So I'm interested to see where, where that's going to roll out, especially from a fantasy perspective. you got Travis Etienne. That's going to be coming off of um, an, an injury missed all of last year. I think he's going to be an amazing running back. He's going very high in, in startup drafts as well. I think he's going to have a good year and, and hopefully Trevor Lawrence can kind of take that next step. I mean, we're talking about a guy that was the most prolific college quarterback over the last decade, he was supposed to be the guy, and we didn't really see that last year. We saw it in spurts, but it's going to be interesting to see the way that that pans out. I just don't think Jacksonville did enough to really compliment him.
4: So Dynasty, Dynasty Leagues, Dynasty Football, one player to buy right now, one player to sell. Who would it be and why? Okay, my oh, my player to buy right
1: now is Kadarius Tony. okay? So right now, I love Kadarius Toney. From an analytical standpoint, he did not have a whole lot to say last year because he had a lot of injuries. He was kind of banged up. But I really, really like what he did show. Now, he, on limited volume, he showed a lot of efficiency. When the ball was in his hand, he was making... Plays. He had that one huge game last year. He really, really showed that he can be an alpha in that offense. So there's a statistic that I really like. It's a, an efficiency statistic. It's called yards per route run. Now, when we see that rookie wide receivers spike in yards per route run, that's a really strong signal that. No matter the volume that they did get, they were doing really, really well with that volume. Now, he spiked really, really highly in that category, fairly elite. I think he's somebody that's low enough on, in you know, on the fantasy radar that you could probably get him for maybe a second. If, you know, maybe a second round rookie pick this year in your dynasty, in your dynasty leagues, cast the net, see what comes back, go try and buy Kadarius Toney. As for players that I'm kind of out on right now, I don't have anybody that I've really pegged as somebody that I'm super out on. But if I had to pick somebody right now, I would probably say I'm looking to get out of, I, I, I would ship off Devontae Adams for the, the mm. biggest haul that I can get. He's going to a situation right now that's that I'm not sure he's going to succeed in. I think, like I said, I think he's an alpha wide receiver. I'm excited to see what he does, but the value and the hype of him right now Go get yourself a couple first-round picks. Stack your team. He's an aging-wide receiver that just got a huge contract. We don't know what that situation is going to look like. I'm throwing him on the trade block. I'm going to see what I can get back for him. I think it's a really, really
3: big time right now in the offseason. I think you could probably get a couple picks for him. As everybody knows, we are talking to freelance Dynasty Fantasy Football content creator, Jesse Rees. Before we let you go, Jesse... Uh, last question for us, uh, and uh, we definitely want to know. We want the fans to to find you on social media, so we want you to give them that. When you look at really so far this off season, uh, who are the big winners and who are the big losers so far this off season?
1: Yeah, I think the 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 big winners, you know, someone that we talked about, I mean, if we're looking at, you know, the Chargers, I think they made absolutely and I'm not I'm trying not to be a homer. OK, but I, I'm I'm excited. But I think that they really, really stepped up um, in, in being aggressive. They went and got Khalil Mack. They did so much, so much for that defense. And they already have an, an, an incredible offense. So I think that's an absolute winner. Denver Broncos as well. I mean, they're just it's it's hard to get to get a guy like Russell Wilson and not look at them as absolute winners, right? Um, a team that I think is, is kind of losing right now. And I don't even know if, if you call it losing, but I mean, Seattle, them, you know, netting a couple firsts for, for Russell Wilson, but giving up on, you know, that type of player and then leaving your franchise with Drew Locke. I think in a couple years, we might look at it a little bit different. Maybe they're in a full rebuild mode, but looking at guys that, you know, when you have a, a team that has Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and I mean, You don't ever really want to count out Pete Carroll for as bad as he can be sometimes with leading into the rushing attack. But I mean, I don't think it was necessarily time for them to do a full rebuild and shipping off your, your, your franchise like that. I think that could be considered a losing move.
3: How about the Cowboys too? Well, that's a losing move too. Huh?
1: Yeah, there's a lot going on. Well, I mean, I thought they've been losing since they they let Ezekiel Elliott sign that contract, man. That kind of <laughs> really... And, and then trading away Amari Cooper as well. I love CeeDee Lamb. I have extremely high hopes for him. And I think he can be a very, very solid wide receiver one. But you can't convince me that an offense with Dak Prescott and, and CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper is not as good as a wide receiver with Michael Gallup and CD Lamb. And then, of course... Ezekiel Elliott back there. So I will, I will see that argument and I will say they are absolutely losing, especially, I mean, Lyle Collins released today. They're, you know, uh, Randy Gregory going to Denver, not re-signing there. It's just, it's, it it feels like they're, they're absolutely losing right now as well. Mm. All right. uh, Jess, tell the fans how they can find you on social media. Yeah, you guys can find me. I'm mostly on Twitter right now. You guys can find me at Jesse Reeves FF. I know you guys can see my name at the bottom on the ticker right there. Close that gap, Jesse Reeves altogether, and then an FF in there. So at Jesse Reeves FF, I'm pretty much – listen, if you're going to follow me, I'm just pretty much talking about bad takes, uh, uh, you know, football-related and stuff. So (laughs) you guys just come have some fun. Uh, Let me know, you know, if you guys came from the show and stuff, and
3: I'll interact with you guys. Absolutely. Thank you, Jesse. We'll get you on again. Uh, As the draft comes to an end, I definitely want to know your thoughts after the draft on who are the winners and the losers of the draft and how much – uh, does this draft change going into the season? Some of uh, a lot of these teams that we just mentioned, uh, they're worth and where they could go uh, when the season starts.
1: Yeah, no, I look forward to it. The draft, the draft is my bread and butter. I love evaluating prospects, man. So, uh, you know,
3: anytime, man, you guys just give me a holler. I'll be back. Oh, thank you, Jesse. As everybody knows, we were just talking to freelance dynasty fantasy football content creator Jesse Reeves. Awesome, uh, so much information, and I uh, not only did he talk about you know where you could go in fantasy and some of the players you should look at, aka Renfro, who he mentioned quite a few times, a, a guy that a lot of people will be interested in next year, especially with Derek Carr and some of the weapons with Devontae Adams. Uh, Devontae Adams going over there that does open up the field for a guy like Renfro. It does help Waller out. Uh, it, you're double teaming Devontae Adams, where it could open up the field for a guy like Darren Waller or or a Renfro. So I expect Renfro to have a great season next year if he can stay healthy. Uh, Jacobs has to stay healthy with that running game, and, and you know you know what Josh McDaniels like to do, likes to do. He likes to have. Uh, a good running game first, and then a good throwing game, short passes. So I expect uh, the Raiders to be uh, semi-good next year with that, even though in a, a division it's going to be very hard to win.
4: Yeah, coaching will define that division. Where it comes to these new coaches that are brought in, and Brandon Staley, like Jesse was mentioning too, some of the things he did last year to progress with the Chargers too. Now they got the talent to, the big name talent to really finalize that roster too. And then the Chiefs, Andy Reid second best coach in the NFL right now with Patrick Mahomes too. So Josh McDaniels will have to make some adjustments too to make that kind of thing work because we know he can run an offense with the Patriots like we've seen him do, but as a head coach, he was underwhelming. So can that thing happen? And the Broncos, the same kind of thing too. Nathaniel Hackett comes from the Packers who their last couple coaches that have come to other teams haven't done well either. You're talking about the receivers doing well to other teams. You look at, Joe Philbin went to Miami, had a lot of trouble. Uh, I forget the other offensive coordinator with McCarthy initially there. Um, And then, obviously, Ben McAdoo with the Giants. So, yeah, don't get me started on that. So, that kind of thing. Could it work with that with Russell Wilson, too, who is different than a lot of the quarterbacks that he's
3: been the offensive coordinator for? I want to get into the lockout for the last hour, and we'll talk a little bit. Uh, I I do want to do our March Madness bracket. Uh, where we, we really had no opportunity to do that yesterday because of our busy day. So I want to first go into the lockout, and obviously, before the show was over, uh, Jeff, a.k.a. Jeff from Tampa, announced, uh, you know, calling me a clown, uh, that uh, the Dodgers have a new first baseman, added Freddie Freeman, gave him a six-year deal worth about, I think, 170. It was $162 million. Yeah, it was, oh, $162 uh, which with that lineup is is compacted with a lot of MVPs, a, a very talented team, obviously, a stacked pitching staff. Uh, we still don't know where Clayton Kershaw is going.
4: No, he already resigned.
3: Oh, did he sign with the yeah, Dodgers? Yeah, he resigned already. I didn't even know. When did he, when did he Last resign? week. Oh, I didn't even know or, that. Yeah, right at the beginning, whenever that lockout just ended. It was like the second day of it. How much did they give him?
4: Just a, a, a $17 million contract. It wasn't, wasn't much.
3: Oh, a 17 million? What do you mean? How many years? Just one year. Oh, so they only give him 17. I was, yeah. I was surprised. I thought he was going back to Texas or going over there. I know maybe he wanted think to go it, Maybe
4: he thinks it's his last of type I think. I don't know.
3: Maybe. Uh, he has a chance to win this year with that line. Up, oh, of course. Easily. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously the Yankees uh, re-signing Anthony Rizzo. I think that was a good move by the Yankees after losing out on Freddie Freeman. But, uh, Speedy, before the show, what did I uh, – you know, there was a story coming out uh, with the Yankees that they're closing in on a deal with the Oakland Athletics, Speedy. Sean Manaya is uh, looking
4: to be moved to the Yankees. Yes, yeah,
3: so the Yankees are looking for another starting pitcher. Uh, the, the word is is that right now the Yankees are negotiating a deal which would send the A's ace to the New York Yankees, Man- uh, Mania, uh to the New York Yankees. Uh, Sean, who... Was the best pitcher for the A's last year? I, he's, I mean, he's got the best stuff. I, I obviously his record didn't show that he was the best pitcher for the A's, but he has been their ace for the last three years. Uh, and if he goes to the Yankees, I mean, with that rotation, you put him. W- where would you put him? Number two? Uh, probably, probably would start
4: as number three, but you could definitely work his way into number two. Just because again, he still has to get familiar with the American League East and that uh, that division that has all those band boxes. You look at the American yeah. League West. Uh, their stadium's huge, Oakland, as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mariners have a huge stadium. That's what so. worries
3: me. Like, yeah. Bringing in another Oakland Athletics starting pitcher... Uh, who was a great pitcher in Oakland, and then he comes to New York, and he completely bombs. But
4: here's the difference with that and Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray was a more of a finesse pitcher. He wasn't a guy that relied on a lot of strikeouts. He still was in the high 100s, but it wasn't like a heavy strikeout guy. Mania has hard stuff. He's the opposite, where he has the hard fastball. Now, that was also a reason he had some injury issues in the middle of his career, but still, he has the hard stuff that I think will transfer over better, where the Yankees need that kind of power pitcher. It's hard to be a finesse pitcher in the American League East, unless you're with the Ravens. And they make that kind of thing work because of all those bam boxes that are there really outside of Tropicana Field. Everything else is a extreme hitter's park. And Mania, again, he's somebody that was pitched mostly in the pitcher's parks, too. So, yes, that part of it will be a tough adjustment. But, again, his home road splits have been pretty good throughout his career anyway. So it's not really like he'd been carried by the ballpark either because it's a lot of strikeouts, too. Now, the other thing, too, is the analytic end of it, too, with – the athletics being very analytic and the Yankees being very analytic. So that could help benefit to him as well to still say relevant.
3: And then there's the Red Sox, who I thought was going to win this off season, maybe bring in Freddie Freeman. Uh, there were talks going before the lockout. They, they, they were the lead team to get Suzuki. Uh, they lose right. out on Suzuki. Uh, he goes to the Cubs. Uh, they lose out on Freeman. And where are the Red Sox sitting right now? Now you hear uh, what's his name against Sale, he he's not going to start the season. They're saying that he could miss the first month of the season. I'm not surprised, Chris Sale. Uh, the guy can't stay healthy since they gave him the extension and the bigger contract. So, I, I mean, the Red Sox, I still, they have some good young players coming up. They have a first baseman that uh, Jeff has been talking high uh, above uh, of. And they have some good infielders that are still in their farm system that will be called up. But, I expected the Red Sox to make some kind of moves, and they really – I know they've made a move here and there, but no moves that made anything splash. And they obviously lost Adam Adovino, who had a good season last year. He goes to the Mets. So, uh, I mean, Speedy, have you heard anything with the Red Sox? Did they make any big moves that really stood out to help them? It doesn't seem like it right now because most
4: of those rumors were for Freeman in the late surge of it right now. And maybe now that they missed out on him, maybe now they're going to go in for something else. Uh, Really, the only thing that I see that they've done is – Jake Diekman and Michael Walker, both for pitching depth. Diekman a reliever that's been a closer at certain points, but is mostly a middle reliever type guy. Pitched well with Oakland. Pitched well. He's bumped, bumped around the league. But that's, uh, that's really it. And then uh, they swapped, like Jeff was saying, they, JBJ and Hunter Renfro, they swapped outfielders. So, again, that you get just a more defensive guy versus a guy that's more powerful. So ju- judge that accordingly. But, yeah, the Red Sox really haven't done anything great. I still expect them to get more pitching because they need that kind of thing, especially if Sale – is going to be hurt. They lost Eduardo Rodriguez already to Detroit before the lockout came along. Now, a lot of the other young pitchers that pitch well for them down the stretch, are they going to expect them to be used in bigger roles? And move on with that, and if that is the case, maybe they go for more hitting, but still I think they still would need the pitching depth. As it it seem that overperformed last year, build on that kind of thing, but also don't be reckless too. We've seen the Red Sox have all those bad contracts all at once that they had to purge, and they did, they did it once with the Dodgers where they traded Beckett and Crawford and those guys, but then they also had Pablo Sandoval and all those bad contracts as well just recently, so you also don't really get too reckless, even with the new rule in place with the Steve Cohen and all that stuff.
3: Trevor Bauer, do you see him playing this show? year? I, I mean, don't. Obviously, <laughs> I don't. Well, I, the Trevor Bauer administrative uh, leave extended through April 16th. I, I do believe we'll see Trevor Bauer this year. I can't see why you can't. I mean, he's not he's not going to jail. He has no criminal charges. I mean, the stories that were coming out that the girl actually wanted, they, they she wanted rough sex. So... I understand that's not something that will sell to the fans. And maybe, why haven't the Dodgers dropped him if, if he wasn't going to play this year?
4: I, may, know? I, I Why I, again, don't they just buy him out? And maybe that ends up being the end result when, with all this. No maybe. way,
3: we're not with that money.
4: Well, yeah, they're not going to be able to trade him with that kind of money right now because his contract was meant to be congested into the short two years that he got. So they're not going to be able to move him. So I think what will end up happening is he'll just stay on administrative leave for a while. I still think they'll end up; he'll be staying on the more. Because remember, there's also the team factor too. The team was being very disciplinary with that too once they realized what happened with Bauer. They weren't going to just sweep it under the rug. We've seen... We've seen the Dodgers, and uh, they uh, they didn't trade for Chapman after his incident, uh, his domestic violence thing. They rejected that kind of thing. So Bauer, they already signed, unfortunately for them. But they already they already they said they were not going to make that kind of mistake again and put him on the field and kind of look at look as a, uh, I guess a classless type organization that's going to let him keep going with that. And by the way, Jeff has returned. Jeff, what's going on, bud? Dude, leave the Red Sox
0: alone. They're fine, man. They got, they're got they probably going to have Whitlock be a starter, who they stole from the Yankees. Thank you, Errol. I appreciate that. They went and signed Dick Mountain. Dick Mountain's going to be great for them. What a name. What are you talking about?
3: You <laughs> don't like Rich Hill? No, I just said Dick Mountain. That's, that's a perfect name. That's his, that's his nickname. I know, I know. <laughs> Go ahead, man.
0: You would have thought that would have been the Beeves nickname, right?
3: <laughs> Dick Mountain. Don't give him any
4: ideas. Errol's going to call it that for the next time he calls him. Yeah, Rich Hill
0: is Dick Mountain. Beeb is Mountain Dick.
3: <laughs> hey, wait a second. I thought he was the Sultan of Coleslaw. <laughs>
0: he can be that, too. Oh, I, I, I shouldn't say anything. I don't want to bully him.
4: Oh, man. <laughs> why, why, why do you need to worry about that? The Cowboys have already done it.
0: Oh, no, because we're... So Errol, me, and B have a little text uh, thread together. And so all I said was, Lyle Collins got released, and he went off on this tangent about, I'm a bully. Stop bullying him. It was hilarious.
5: <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, he's taken to another extreme.
0: Yeah. Apparently it's bullying if you live in reality.
4: <laughs> or just send a message of what actually happened. <laughs> right, guys. that's exactly, it. It's, not, that's it's exactly not like, it. it's not like you're the GM that cut him.
0: <laughs> right, that's exactly it. And so he cried endlessly.
4: So, uh,
3: so I,
0: I, I sent him some music to to soothe his soul speed. I sent him Big Girls Don't Cry by Bird.
3: <laughs> Poor Beef. Uh, Speedy, you have some music for the NCAA bracket. Uh, Jeff, you're on, so... Why don't we go through the bracket because we didn't get a chance to do it yesterday? No St. Pete's, no St. Pete's. But uh, I, I got off Kentucky tonight. Yes, I, I, I have my bracket. I'm not going to change just because of who won. I'm going to just go through the games that I thought, you know, before the the. the uh, the bracket opened up and, and started today, or who I thought was going to win. So we're going to go through some of the games, and, and we're going to go through the tournament, and obviously we'll get into the Final Four and who we think is going to win in the Final Do
0: you want me to pull out my bracket? Is yeah, go ahead. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Do? Yep, absolutely. And um, We're going to go through the bracket, and, and uh, you know, last year I got the winner. I had Baylor going all the way to the championship and winning the whole thing, so... Um, but everybody else, <laughs> everybody else in the Final Four did not make the teams that I did pick. Did not make it to the Final Four, but I did get the winner, so I was right about that. <laughs> so, I-, I was good on one end, but uh, bad on all the others. <laughs> so my bracket wasn't so good. Uh, Speedy, you got the music. Yep, here we go. All right, Speedy, go ahead. You pick the games, and we'll go through it.
4: All right, so we'll start in the we'll start in the South region. Uh, Brian Snow is national champion, Arizona against yeah, Wright right state. I have Arizona here.
3: Why do you have Arizona?
4: Uh, I think Arizona still is very potent enough offensively. I'm worried about them a little later. I'm not. I'm, I'm disagreeing with them with Brian Snow. I feel like they could be very Illinois like last year, where I could see it. I could see an upset later on, but not not against the 16th seed.
3: I got Arizona in the game too. They're one of the best offensive teams in the nation. They're big, they're strong, and they can rebound. They're not a good defensive team, and as they move further into this tournament, they'll have problems against the better and more prolific defensive teams. So we got Arizona in this game.
4: Jeff? Yeah, I had Arizona too. All right, Seton Hall and TCU is the 8-9 matchup. I like Seton Hall a lot. I know they've lost certain uh, top players over the years, but they're still very deep offensively. Had some good wins at the beginning of the season in the Big East. Kind of stumbled a bit down the stretch. TCU is kind of new. They haven't been in the tournament in the last four years. So I'll take Seton
3: Hall here. I also have Seton Hall in this game. I think, uh, to me, Seton Hall, you know... They're, they're, they're own the worst enemy. When, when they play good, they're a very good team in the nation. They, they, they score. They can play defense. They can do a lot of things. But there are games that you know, this year they looked really, really bad. I, I think there was a game a couple of months ago where they, they got blown out. So this is a team that could absolutely keep up with. And I, I do think they get out of the first round. I do not see them coming out of the second round. But I got Seton Hall. Yeah, I got
0: I got TCU actually. Okay. I think they've been pre- they've been pretty good in the Big 12. They've played a lot of teams really tough. I just don't believe in Seton Hall because they play good sometimes and then they throw up 45 points in a game other yeah. times. And just it's they're they're so Jekyll and Hyde. I couldn't get on board with them. I think TCU
5: is a tougher team.
4: All right, so next is number five, Houston, and then 12, UAB. I actually have the upset here. I'm, I like UAB a lot. They're actually one of my favorite of the mid-major teams. They're very deep. They're very balanced all around. And they actually were battle-tested in the beginning of the season, played a lot of SEC teams, played some uh, p- played some Pac-12 teams, so they're used to the competition. Houston, I think, has a letdown after last year's final four. I'll take the upset.
3: Well, I got Houston in this game. They're the better team. Uh, they're the better shooting team, so give me Houston. Yeah, I had Houston, too.
4: All right, number four Illinois and number thirteen Chattanooga. Another upset I'll go here. I like Chattanooga. They had the miracle buzzer beater win. Another tough, tough team. Illinois, not the same as last year. Uh, losing new. Trent Frazier's replaced that role nicely a little bit, but they've been kind of stumbling down the stretch too. I'll, I'll take the upset.
3: I've got Illinois in this game. They're better. They're a better offensive team, and they, they to me, I, I, this is not the upset of the first round that really stands out to me. So give me Illinois.
0: Yeah, I got Illinois too. They probably have the best player in the game in Kofi Coburn, and that's also ironically the Bean's favorite player because it's spelled Cockburn. <laughs> All
4: right, so uh, Colorado State and Michigan already happened. I was, as Arrow mentioned, I was wrong on that already.
3: I got Michigan. I, I told
4: everybody. I, I had, had I
3: had Michigan as well. Yeah. And then are we all. I can screenshot it to you too if you if you want to see.
4: So do we all have Tennessee as well? Yes, of course. I have Tennessee. Yes. Yes. All right, so Loyola Chicago ten against number seven Ohio State. I have Loyola, <laughs> and I actually think this could really be a blowout. Ohio State really stumbled down the stretch. They had a lot of bad losses, and even some of the wins they had in the Big Ten were they should have like blown out Nebraska and Northwestern by a lot more. Loyola Chicago. I don't know if they'll go as far with a new coach, but I think they'll win this game.
3: I have Loyola Chicago. That's my upset right there. On this side of the bracket, uh, they're the better team. Uh, Ohio State University, they stink, okay? I, I don't even yeah, know if they're seventh 17. I'm not Ohio State. Oh, okay. All right.
4: All right, so the last one in this region is Villanova and Delaware. You know where I'm going. Villanova. Nova. I, think, I think we're all going yeah. Nova there. All right, so you want to finish this region up, or you want to go to another go ahead, one? Go ahead, go So Arizona, Seton Hall for me, and then for you, Jeff, TCU. I actually have this upset. This is I, Seton Hall. I really like here. Arizona. I just think their defense eventually is going to hinder them. I think they're too hot right now. They're kind of no, streaking. No, no. Go
3: down. Go all the way to the full. Fr- oh, the okay. First round. Oh, they want
4: to finish the region. Go right.
3: the full first round for all, the, the. All whole right. So first Kansas,
4: round. Texas Southern. I think all we're you all be Kansas.
3: Doing is the first round. Yes. Then
0: you can do the second round
3: next yes, week. Yes, that's something. what I'm
4: saying. Okay. So Kansas, Kansas, Texas Southern. Uh, I got Kansas. <coughs> so, uh, I, I, I this was not the year for the one sixteen upset. As much as I want to see them lose. I got Kansas too.
3: I'm pretty
4: sure I got Kansas. Hold on. Yeah, I got Kansas. All right. So uh, Creighton did actually come back and beat San Diego State. I, I was had, right about that. I had
3: Creighton, too, going into this game. Uh, I had San Diego State. Uh, San Diego State is a good defensive team. They're always a good defensive team. They but they don't have any offense. And that showed in this game, and Creighton beat them. There was a tale of two halves, though. San Diego State yeah. was blowing them out, and they just yep.
4: collapsed. Uh, I had Iowa. Uh, Richmond ended up beating Iowa. I had Iowa. I had
3: Iowa, too. I always have Iowa. <laughs> they, they, they... I had, Yeah, I had Iowa. They screwed
0: me. <laughs> I can't wait for the next pick, though. Tell them what it is, Pete.
3: Did you pick Providence, Jeff?
4: Come on, Jeff. <laughs> I did. All, I did pick Providence.
0: First of all, full disclosure, I am a Providence Friars college basketball booster. So, yes, I did pick Providence. Uh, but I did actually, funny in my bracket, I had him had him losing to Iowa in the next round. Okay. But now I think the Friars are Sweet Sixteen bound. We're going to beat Richmond. All right.
4: <laughs> so next, uh, LSU. I got Providence three. too. Uh, LSU number six against <laughs> Iowa State. LSU, no, inter, uh, an interim coach now, but I still like their talent a lot. They have a lot of scoring prowess that is still deep, and their defense is a lot better than they were last year. Iowa State's kind of new. They're not great offensively. I'll, I'll still take
3: LSU even with an interim coach. I got LSU too. I, I think they're the better team.
4: Yeah. So All right. Gonna... So now uh, Wisconsin, number three, against Colgate, number 14, we interviewed their coach two years ago. I'm taking them this time. I think they've had tough draws this time. Wisconsin's just so one-dimensional. Everything is Johnny Davis, and everyone else is streaky on that team. I'll go with an experienced Colgate team.
3: Nah, I'm not. I'm going with, with, with Wisconsin. They're a better three-point shooter team than one of the best shooter, shooting teams in the nation. So give me Wisconsin. Yeah, I, got, I got Wisconsin as well.
4: All right, number seven is USC. Number 10 is Miami. Uh, I got USC in this one. I think they're just a deeper team. Miami's better offensively than they've been in the past with Jim Laranega, but still not great. So I'll take USC.
3: USC, bigger, stronger, better. I'm going with USC. Uh, I picked Miami. Mm. I think Miami's more
0: athletic. USC's kind of struggled. I like some of the flashers Miami has on their team, so I took them.
4: All right. And then uh, Auburn and <laughs> Jacksonville State. I got Auburn in this one.
0: Yeah,
3: I got Auburn too. They're the better team.
0: Auburn, dude, have you guys watched Auburn play at all this year?
3: Watch them play. Once. I watched him
4: play in the beginning of the season, not as much in the end, towards the end of the season. Dude, they easily have the best player in the country on their team. That kid should be the number
0: one overall pick this year. That kid, uh, Smith,
4: Jabari Smith.
0: Yeah, yeah. That kid is ridiculous. He can shoot. He can dribble. He can jump. He, dude, he's awesome.
4: All right. So the next region uh, to the left of uh, Baylor. I think, I'm assuming we all had Baylor over Norfolk State. Of course, I've always had uh-huh. Baylor. Yeah, and Indiana. then uh, yep. North Carolina blew out Marquette. Yeah, I had North Carolina. <laughs> uh, I picked Marquette and got smoked. All right. And uh, St. Mary's also blowing out Indiana.
3: St. Mary's. Got Good thing
4: big. I changed that because I actually had Wyoming beating them yeah. originally. But in, since Indiana won, I changed it to St. Mary's. I had Indiana. Uh, all right. And then uh, UCLA against Akron 413. I have UCLA. It's going on right Don't now. Lie.
3: UCLA is down one, but I have UCLA. I got them down three. You guys have them down one. Yeah, right over here, but i, I could be wrong. Um, yeah, uh, I have UCLA. I picked UCLA though. Yeah.
4: Yes. All right. Number six is Texas. Number eleven, Virginia Tech. I usually don't love teams streaking into the tournament, winning the ACC like Virginia Tech did, but Texas always finds a way to choke in the in the playoffs. So I'll take Virginia Tech. Jeff, who do you got? Yeah, I
3: took Texas. I have Texas too.
4: All right. Number three is Purdue. Number 14 is Yale. Even, I'll take Purdue in the blowout here.
3: We interviewed yeah, the coach, too. Yeah. For, no, I,
4: I, I'm rooting for Yale, but I think Purdue's really deep. I got Purdue, too. I All
3: mean, right. let's be honest.
0: Smart kids are bad at sports, right? This is exactly why that kid from Brown's not going to play in the
4: NFL. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, back, right. to, back to the EJ Perry slander. All right. Um, Murray yeah, State. Mean, yeah, Murray State, San Francisco. This is one-point game at the half. This is a very interesting one. I had a close one with Murray State winning here.
3: I got Murray State. Yeah, I agreed. I had
0: Murray State as well.
4: And then uh, my... Let's
0: not do this because I had Kentucky. Dolphins. I had Kentucky too. Jeff,
4: don't feel bad. I had them winning it all. So <laughs> my champ's already gone.
0: Uh, I, I, yeah, I didn't have them winning it
4: all. I was torn with them in Villanova and I went with them. So I'm already <laughs> Yo, busted. Nova, they, have,
0: they stink. They're going to be out in a round They might lose the to
4: Tennessee. Tennessee's really good. I, I can see that too. <laughs> oh, Tennessee's but, very good. Yeah. I, all right, so uh, Gonzaga and Georgia State. I, I think we all had Gonzaga. We I was all in. had Gonzaga. Yeah. That's my national
0: champion.
4: Georgia State gave him a run for a while, though. Give him a lot of credit. Uh, Boise State and Memphis. I had Memphis, even though I liked both teams with their scoring prowess. Their defenses played better in the second half of the season, too.
3: I had Memphis. I have Memphis,
4: yep. All right, uh, New Mexico State upsetting UConn. I had them for three straight years, and they didn't do anything. Now they finally came through and I was wrong. <laughs> I had UConn, too. I had UConn as well. I actually had them in the Sweet 16 as well. I had them losing <laughs> to Gonzaga. I had, you know what? You
0: want to know what's even worse? I'll tell you what's even worse because I picked them in this pool, and I, and so, uh, I also entered uh, for 500 bucks. I entered a knockout pool and picked Connecticut in the first round and threw my money
4: away. Uh, Thanks, Connecticut. Never a good thing. All right, Arkansas number four against number 13 Vermont. This could be close. Vermont's a good team, but I got Arkansas.
0: It is close. It's only seven points. It's six minutes
3: left. I got Arkansas. Too. Yeah, I had Arkansas.
4: All right, number six is Alabama. Number eleven is Notre Dame. Uh, I think this will be close too because Notre Dame's defense does give them a chance. They got some physicality. Mike Brays a good coach. Alabama, I think, wins it in a very tight one late, and then they'll lose in the next round.
3: <laughs> yeah, Alabama. I
4: got yeah, yep. we both have. Bama. I hope
0: Mark hears that. Football. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> number three, Texas Tech. Uh, number fourteen, Montana State. I have Texas Tech with the size they have here. Montana can shoot, but that's really it. They, they don't have much else.
3: We both have Texas Tech. Yep.
4: All right. Number seven is Michigan State. Number ten is Davidson. I know Tom Izzo is, the, is this great guru of a coach, but I, Michigan State is very average <laughs> to me this year. I actually want to go with the upset and go Davidson here. They're very well rounded as well. Like I was saying with UAB.
3: Who do you have, Jeff? I Michigan State. I have Michigan State too.
4: And then uh, your Duke Blue Devils, number two against. I Bullets got Duke.
3: I got Duke. Yes, everyone's got Duke.
5: Yes. Yes,
4: everybody's got Duke. So you want to stick to this region for the yes. first round? All right. So Gonzaga and Memphis. I still stick with Gonzaga, but they did look vulnerable today, so I'm a little more, a little more worried about that. But I think they hang on. Gonzaga. Yeah.
0: yeah I. Uh, yeah. See, my bracket is electronic, so I don't get to see who I pick the further I go in, which is weird. Oh wait, hold on. Maybe I do.
4: If you're on your phone, you might have to shift. You might have to shift it to your right or something like that. Right.
0: Yeah. Hold on. I picked Ellis. So hold on. Where are we? Gonzaga.
4: Yeah, yeah. we're at Gonzaga, so it's the top left region.
0: Yeah, mine's all in one row, so you gotta give me like. All right, it's west. It's west. If you, if you need to. Right. I gotta find this goddamn thing. It's so frustrating.
3: <laughs> Where the hell is this goddamn shit? Well, I have um, I have Arkansas.
4: So you you had Arkansas going to that, but I actually yeah. had UConn beating Arkansas, yeah. so I was wrong on that. But I do think they'll end up beating New Mexico State if they hold on against Vermont. Oh. So it's still not. You so found I it, Jeff.
0: Arca- so I got I got to look at the next round to see who I had advance. That's crazy. All right, hold on. Uh, Auburn, uh, Iowa. How far did I have Iowa going? Jesus, I had Arkansas beating whoever. I got Arkansas playing Gonzaga.
4: Okay. All right, so Arkansas beating Gonzaga. So, yeah, go down in that region, Jeff, is the next one. Uh, Alabama and Texas Tech. Uh, I, t- I took Texas Tech here. It's way too much size for Alabama. Yeah, I got, I got
0: Tech.
3: I have Alabama in that game. All right. Yes.
4: Going for the upset there. All right. Uh-huh. And then uh, Duke going forward. Yes, I Duke. got Duke. Yes. All right. And then uh, Gonzaga, Arkansas. I actually think Arkansas could pull off the upset if they get this far. I think they I can. i got not winning
0: the whole thing, so stop with no, it. No, go, go down. Go, Speedy, Gonzaga go all
3: the way. Go second round. Go second round, down, and then we go to the third round. All right, round all all right Jeff, uh, Jeff, we're in the east region now. Uh, so we got
4: Baylor and North Carolina. I know uh, our guest yesterday, Casale, was saying that he likes this <laughs> upset. I just don't know if North Carolina has enough defense. Baylor's still pretty big. so Baylor. I'll take Baylor.
0: Yeah, I got Baylor.
4: All right, so then it would be St. Mary's against uh, – we all have UCLA. I have UCLA. Yeah, I would pick yeah, UCLA, UCLA well. here. There's a lot yeah. of scoring depth on that team. Uh, Purdue against either Texas or Virginia Tech, whoever you guys I got had. I have Purdue. I, I got have Purdue as well. Yep. And then Murray State against the 15-seeded St. Peter's or San Francisco. I got Murray State. Them. I got Murray State as well.
3: Well, uh, what did I have? It was K- I had Kentucky and Murray State. Did I have Murray State? Yes, I had yeah, Murray State. So. I had Kentucky winning that game. Well, I did too, but I know they're, not, they're out now. So, I, But I'm just showing you my practice. No, I know. I had Kentucky winning it all. I was, <laughs> so I had Kentucky. They
4: did not know how to uh, shoot a free throw in the <coughs> second oh, I'm half. Out of.
3: I'm out of that side. Yeah.
4: yeah. All right. Uh, then uh, this side, you got Kansas against Creighton. I actually had the upset here with Creighton. I like their, their offensive depth as well. And Kansas, like Brian Snow was saying, very guard-oriented, one-dimensional. So I like the upset here.
3: I had Kansas. No, I've got Kansas. Yeah, so did I.
4: All right, and then I had Providence out over Iowa because Iowa's horrible defensively. I thought that was going to catch up to them.
3: I had Providence. I had, I had Iowa,
0: so now I'll take Providence because I had Iowa. Okay. Damn it.
4: All right, so Colgate against LSU or Wisconsin against LSU, whichever one you guys had. I'll keep rolling with Colgate here. Uh, I need one weird one in the Sweet 16. I'll, t- I'll take him here. The uh, interim Wisconsin. coach catches up. I have Wisconsin, too. All right. USC and Auburn. Shout out, Thomas Casali. I had this upset. I'm going to take USC here. I like the depth and I, the experience. I had USC. I got Auburn. I had USC coming out of that. All righty. And then the last region is uh, Loyola, Chicago, and Villanova. I have Villanova. Just Aren't too we much in scoring depth.
3: Are we in the Arizona one?
4: Oh, it's Arizona. All right. Arizona and Seton Hall. Give me that upset. I'm Nova. taking Seton Hall. We have Zona. Yep. Dude, uh, you
3: can't
0: possibly think Seton Hall can bend and I think
4: Arizona Hall. is the Illinois of last year. I think they're just a little too sudden rise, inexperienced right now, and I think their their streak will catch up to them. I even think if Jeff, if, if TCU does beat Seton Hall, I even think they can win that too. All right, uh, UAB and uh, Chattanooga for me, and then the favorites for you guys: Houston and Illinois. I'll take UAB. I have
0: Illinois. I have Houston. Houston. <coughs> All right. Yeah, I had Illinois winning.
4: All right, and then uh, Michigan against Tennessee. Tennessee. I got Tennessee. I think they're loaded.
0: Yeah, I got Tennessee playing Villanova.
4: Mm-hmm. And, and I think we all have that because you were very right. high in Villanova, Villanova as well. And... All right, so then you guys would have – We're going
3: to Sweet 16 now.
4: Yes, we're in the Sweet 16. We'll stay in that region to make it convenient. Uh, so you guys have – you have Arizona, Houston, Errol. Uh, Jeff, you have Arizona and Illinois. And then I have – No, I
0: have Arizona, Tennessee.
4: No, no, in the Sweet 16, not the Elite Eight. We're not there yet. Oh, Right. So who do you got? You so you have Arizona over Illinois. I have Zona. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, I have to go to the. See, I have to go to my elite eight matchup to see
4: who I pick. Okay. Mine. But you have but you have Arizona over Illinois. So that, <laughs> yes, yes I have Arizona. That would have, make sense.
3: I have Zona too.
4: So then I have the upset running there. So they're still with Seton Hall. I have Tennessee. I have Villanova over Tennessee. And what do you guys have? I,
0: I have Tennessee over
4: Villanova.
3: Okay. I have Villanova.
4: I don't think it's crazy, Jeff. I wish they were seeded in another region. I wanted to run Tennessee in the final four, so bad. They are so good. The the I, 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 they are. They, they've beaten, I think, five top five teams this year already. They are <coughs> very good. I wish and they were in another region. From Long Island, that's their point guard. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yep. So the rest of the Sweet Sixteen will go to the Midwest now. Uh, you have Kansas against Providence. I have Kansas. All right, I, I had I had uh, the upset over that, so I'm going to keep rolling with uh, with Creighton on that one, and then uh, L- um, USC versus Wisconsin for you, Errol, and then Jeff, you had you had Wisconsin against Auburn.
0: I got Auburn, baby. Yeah. I have USC,
4: and I have USC rolling there as well. And you guys then, are
0: so out of it, you are, you guys have
3: USC going far. You're lucky. I do. You're, you're, you got, yeah, it's I have USC. You're gonna... I get. A, I have USC getting knocked off, so don't worry. All
4: right, and then, so I uh, guess we had <clears throat> Kentucky at the time, but now it's Purdue against Murray State.
3: I have Purdue. So, I have yeah. Purdue.
4: Yeah, and then Baylor, UCLA. I I'll take UCLA in the upset here. I think this is where the, the losing the top three players from last year eventually will hurt Baylor.
3: I still have Baylor. I have Baylor too. All
4: right, <clears throat> and then. Texas Tech against Duke or for you Alabama and Duke. I have Duke. I think Texas Tech would definitely win this game. I, this is where I'm you were saying. Fair. This is where you're saying, Errol, all the size, the lack of size is going to hurt Duke. No, while being think, a guard or I, I think Duke wins this. Game. Well, if they play Alabama, yes. You, I, I think, think
0: Duke is overrated and they're absolutely trash. You watch them play either Syracuse or uh, Virginia Tech or Clemson, or, or
4: yeah, there's a couple of them. They uh, were I weird.
0: Think, I think Duke is so overrated, but I do love that Paolo Banteros.
4: Yes, but I, I have them losing to Texas Tech here. I think there's just too much size. And then it was Gonzaga versus UConn for me. It's now Gonzaga versus Arkansas. Uh, I think Arkansas would win that match if they played each other, but I didn't have it initially. I have Gonzaga.
0: I got Gonzaga, yeah.
4: All right, so you would have a Gonzaga. Jeff, who did you pick? You've had Gonzaga, Texas I Tech got, there?
0: I have, I have Gonzaga versus Tech in that thing, and obviously I picked Gonzaga.
4: Okay, and then Errol has Gonzaga and Duke. Uh So who do you got Gonzaga and Duke? I have uh, Gonzaga winning that game. Okay, I have Texas Tech over Gonzaga right there. Uh Jeff? Uh,
0: Yeah, I have... uh, Hold on. Who do we have advancing to the final four there?
4: Yeah, Gonzaga or Texas Tech for you.
0: I got Gonzaga. Yeah, I got Gonzaga.
4: All right, and then in the I had Kentucky in their region already in the east so I had them over UCLA originally I was wrong so now it would be Purdue and UCLA and I think Purdue would win that matchup I got Purdue case.
0: I actually have Baylor versus Purdue in that game and then I picked uh, Purdue Oh okay. wait a second
3: uh, Baylor versus Baylor Purdue. Purdue for you yep um Baylor Purdue what do I have hold on a second let me see that Give me a second I got Baylor. Okay, you got Baylor. All right, and then the last
4: one for me, uh, you had USC and – Errol, you had USC and Kansas. Mm -hmm. And Jeff, you had had Kansas and Auburn. And I had USC. I had
0: Kansas and
3: Auburn, and I took
4: Auburn. Okay, I have USC in the final four there. That's my sleeper.
3: I have Kansas.
4: You have Kansas. All right. And then, Errol, you have Villanova, Arizona. Mm -hmm. Jeff, you have Arizona and Tennessee. I got Villanova. All right. I had Villanova advancing over Seton Hall. There. Do
0: you want to hate me? I have
4: Tennessee.
0: It's not crazy. I have Tennessee Jeff. beaten Arizona.
4: Yeah. All right. So then uh, you have Tennessee over Arizona, and then Gonzaga over uh, Purdue. Jeff, is that what you got?
0: I have uh, Gonzaga beaten Purdue, and then I have Auburn beaten Tennessee.
4: Oh, you have Auburn beaten Tennessee. All right, there you go. So you have a Gonzaga Auburn final. All right, so I had Villanova over USC originally, and then I had uh, Kentucky, of course, on the other side already that already got busted against Texas Tech.
3: Okay, I had Baylor versus Gonzaga. I have Baylor going to the championship game again, and I have Villanova going. All right, Baylor and Villanova played last year, and Villanova hung tough. Yes.
4: They get their revenge. And
3: I have Villanova winning the national championship. All right. I got the Zags,
0: man. I think the fight in at home, Are gonna do it this
3: year, and Zaga finally gets the
4: infamous title. All I mean, right, dude. Between having
0: a dude that looks like Olive Oil's brother <laughs> and Drew and 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 Drew Timmy's handlebar mustache, I, what an unstoppable combination. Meanwhile, <laughs> you still have Mark Hugh drunk driving with that team. I mean, dude, they are an absolute perfect combination of being a mess. And I like that dude, Nemhart
5: that
4: plays guard for him. He's good, too. So, says, Bauer's going to play. He's been exonerated. That's the beef's favorite mountain.
3: Hashtag Ben the Beef. And St. Peter's National Champions. So, we got the National Championship. I have, uh, I, I, really, my bracket really so falls. So, Speedy's already out. I'm, I'm already, already out, yeah. With...
4: <laughs> I had Kentucky at the start. <laughs> and I've I'm,
3: got and I'm, uh, Gonzaga. You have Gonzaga. I have Villanova winning the whole thing. So... <laughs> I hope Villanova wins. That's a bold call,
0: Villanova, because I don't think they're going very far. I don't think they're very
3: good.
0: No, no, no. I'm just saying that's my, you know. No, 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 no. I got it. I got it. I said that's why I'm saying that's a bold move. Like I I wouldn't have. Yeah, I, I don't see it.
4: What's different about Villanova than previous teams of Villanova is they're actually better defensively this year than offensively. Normally, it's their offense and well, their free-throw shootings at a historic pace this year. They're number one in the nation. They're actually number one in terms of like the last 10 years in terms of scoring from the free-throw line. But they're actually a... Lesser offensive team this year comparatively, but they're a great defensive team that could make a difference. They it's just the I only guess. thing the only thing that could hurt them. Maybe Tennessee does have the size to make that kind of thing work. The question is, does uh, Rick Barnes can he have a coaching advantage to finally get it going? Because he's been some against like Jay Wright he, again, he's had some postseason duds as well.
0: I mean, that's my whole thing with Villanova is like years past, they've had two or three shooters on their team. Like r- this year, they only got that one kid that's the shooter. Who's that tall white
4: guard? Gillespie
0: um, Gillespie, right He's their only kid that can shoot the ball he, you know, The rest of those kids can't really shoot They just kind of try to dribble drive And, and that kind of stuff And you know, in years past They've had a ton of really good... They had that one team that was like uh, Jalen Brunson and Yeah,
4: DiVincenzo and, Mikhail and, like, Bridges had... yeah.
0: <clears throat> right, all those dudes They've had like I just don't believe them this year is going over to I, I
4: mean, actually think that was the maybe most Maybe they make a run I actually, I, don't believe I actually think that was the most dominant run, considering who they had to go through. That region was really brutal that year too. Yeah, Alabama team that, with Colin Sexton on it, that was very good. A very good West Virginia game. A very good Texas Tech team that made the finals the next year, and then uh, Kansas and Michigan. I mean, the, the, they really went through a gauntlet to do that, and they blew them out in like almost every game. I think they, the Texas Tech game was the only one that was close.
3: Well, I think the hardest, uh, I think the hardest way for them to get to the championship will be Tennessee. Uh-huh. <laughs> they beat Tennessee. I think they're going to steamroll Arizona. So,
0: that's I, I, I think, think Tennessee's got too much shooting. When you go up and down that whole lineup between, um, uh, there are two guards that came from Long Island, and then the other one. You've got that left-handed tip that they, shoot too. they got a bunch of dudes that can shoot threes. On the
3: team. Yeah, and I, I. That's why I think it's going to be fun. Once it gets yeah. into the Sweet 16, that's when it really gets fun. It really does. So, I mean.
0: I I just love that kid set on the I think I wish he would get on the Jill Arcus Russell
4: easily. I think he can use well waiting, I love that kid. That kid's a fine full player. Uh Carl says Rick Barnes is garbage in the tournament. Yes, but we have seen its over, coaches overcome that recently too, though too. So we saw Baylor did it last year. Their coach was always bad in the tournament. Virginia obviously was. They lost right. to a sixteen seed the year before. So it can happen where they, the, the, the trends can change. Even Jay Wright before they won the two championships. How many times did Villanova go out in the round of thirty-two?
0: Okay, but I, I just want to like counter this whole thing about like Rick Barnes. I, I get people. You he's shut the music up, I, I, I don't think he's going to up, coach. I think he's a very good coach. And I think he's a very good coach that took very poor Texas teams, yeah, further than they should have. I think he's with with the talent that he's had in the past. I think his greatness has has taken you know because Texas is not traditionally a basketball school. They've had one dude ever in Kevin Durant. They don't right. they they don't get basketball players. It's not like Rick Barnes is at Kansas or Duke or North Carolina or you know some of these other schools. He coached Texas and still made them a perennial NCAA tournament team.
4: Yeah, I think Texas has a natural problem, too, because they also brought in Shaka Smart right after that. And Shaka Smart did very well with VCU, Uh and he couldn't win a tournament game with with, with Texas. They lost that weird one on the buzzer beater when they were a six seed against Northern Iowa. They lost last year against a 14-seeded Abilene Christian. (coughs) Shaka got
3: it to the Final Four.
4: Yeah, Shaka got in the final four with VCU as an 11 seed. Mm-hmm. And even other years, too, they were pretty good. They were growing that program very well where they were had a lot of teams that were four seeds, there were five seeds that did pretty well. So the way he grew that program, it didn't transfer over to Texas. Now he's with Marquette. They got blown out today. But, Wait, but, st- that's,
0: but, that, but that is just more to my point, though, right? Because Texas just keeps it, – because it's not Rick Barnes. Texas just keeps bringing in – great coach after great coach at other schools because they have the money to do it right and they just keep underperforming because i just don't think that texas gets the quality basketball players that other schools do i think that they get crappy players because no one wants to play basketball in texas and these coaches do as good of a job as they can with crappy players and it never works out because it's texas i actually think rick Barnes is a very good coach
4: uh, Carl says, didn't watch Fran McCaffrey do it. No, they did not. They did not. <laughs> they, when Iowa couldn't shoot, they couldn't do anything because they're a horrible defensive team. And then uh, Rick Barnes or John Beeline? That is a good question. I mean, Beeline did have some good stretches with Michigan as lower seed. So I'd probably give him the, the edge. But Rick Barnes is still very, very good, too, though, with the program he's built at Tennessee. Because Tennessee was nothing for a while in basketball, too.
0: It's a no-brainer. It's Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes has done more with less and John Beeline did less with more. Michigan is a basketball school. Like they they they've always gotten great basketball players. Great basketball players and they never they do squad every year.
5: Right. So it's not even
0: close. I think Rick Barnes is a better coach than John Beeline.
4: I don't know. They've been, they've been steady though, at least making the Sweet 16s the last couple of years too. Now last year was Juwan Howard obviously, but still <clears> I think the model consistency definitely still helps cuz Michigan was lower seeds a lot of the time too. I think one of the years uh Carl you could correct me if I'm wrong, they were a uh they were one of the first four in too where they had to play the playing game too as an 11 seed. So it, it, again, I think he's done well in that instance too, especially if the players get drafted too into the NBA too.
0: Well, you got to but here's the thing, don't you have to give credit to because there is such a thing as a football school, right? Like yes, of course. Right? There is such a thing as a basketball Texas is not a basketball school. And because they've been a perennial tournament team, I think that is credit to Rick Barnes. I think that's a credit to Rick Barnes. Where John Beeline, Michigan's a basketball school. It has been for 30 years, been a basketball school. And they don't win jack shit. <laughs>
4: Uh, Carl, you have any confidence of Michigan winning against Tennessee? That's the real question because they did have a very impressive comeback today, but it's going to be very hard to do that. And maybe that'll be the test for you, Carl, to figure out how good of a coach Rick Barnes really is.
0: I do like that one giant kid on Michigan, though. What's that left-handed kid's name?
4: It's the center there? Dickinson, Hunter Dickinson. Dickinson, yeah, I was going to. Yeah, that. he was really good for them last year too. And then he, I think he got hurt right before the <laughs> tournament, then came back or something like that. And remember, Michigan had all those injuries, and they still ended up making the Elite Eight somehow. They beat Florida State. They beat LSU. Was a, a good. You know why? Because think get a shit ton
0: of good basketball players because they're a basketball school.
4: John Howard's coach of the year, and then this year he's throwing punches.
0: Why don't, why don't we let these John Robinson suit up to the basketball team and see how well they do?
4: Oh, there you go, Jeff. <laughs> Just hope he doesn't travel with the ball because he's so fast. These Robinsons. Robinson. <laughs> well, yeah, we know that. So, uh, so That's
0: why so a- I would take Rick Barnes. I think he's a terrific coach. A terrific coach. I don't, really, I don't understand the, the, the Rick Barnes hate. because He's really
3: good. And if he wasn't good, he wouldn't have landed a job at another good school like Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I think the tournament is going to be very open. It, it, a lot of crazy things could happen when it gets into the Sweet 16. Uh, I think there will be a lot of upsets, even though I have, you know, Baylor and uh, obviously Villanova going going into the championship game. But I, I could see Villanova getting yeah. knocked out early. I could see Baylor getting knocked out early. I mean – as crazy as it may seem, I, I don't think there's a sure thing in this tournament. From Gonzaga to Arizona, a lot of people have Gonzaga, Arizona because they're the number one, number one seeds, and they're, they're so talented offensively. I, I just think that when they start to play the better defensive teams, Arizona has been known to get knocked out earlier in the tournament, and Gonzaga. Let's be honest, this team hasn't won a national championship since when. I mean, seriously. no, they haven't,
4: won, they haven't they haven't won, won one, one
3: ever. Yeah. Now
4: they've been steady the last six tournaments making the sweet 16 at least. They're not as vulnerable as when they lost against Wichita State and those years where they were number 2 and lost to a lot of tens and all that stuff. They've been at least better in that regard at least in avoiding the big upset, but they also have had their duds against uh, they had the one against Florida State when they were a 9 seed 3 years ago where they really got outplayed badly and even certain instances where they just get blown out against just that superior of teams, even, and even certain instances where they rely on their talent too much. is always something that concerns me with Gonzaga too, because like Jeff was saying, they are loaded. It's just, sometimes they feel like they're, playing isolated a lot of the time too and they shoot themselves out of games and that's hindered them a lot of the, of the, of the time too kind of later in tournaments not really as much early uh carl says so does jeff do think only being successful is winning championships michigan has outperformed michigan state over the past decade in terms of big 10 titles final four and overall tournament performance
0: what they do they beat a shitty school year after year wow Good for Michigan.
5: Dude,
0: the homerism is real when you only want to compare yourself to Michigan State. How about comparing yourself to Duke? How they doing? Terrible. How about comparing yourself to Kansas? How they doing? Terrible. How about comparing yourself to Baylor? How you doing? Who, by the way, is a very new basketball school. Terrible. Right. Right? Or you're terrible against everyone else when you want to come make the comparisons, but you only want to compare yourself to Michigan State? You are a homer.
4: He says, Goldberg, Michi- your last name should be Simpson. Uh, he says, Michigan has been to three final fours in the last eight years. Elite eight, another year. Yes. They were elite eight last year and they, yeah, they made the final four when they lost against Villanova.
0: Yeah. Which they, is only proving my they point. They lost against basketball.
4: Louisville. The, the year they lost against Louisville too. They were, I think they made it as a four seed. They upset Florida, which was, they blew out Florida that year. So Which yeah. is only
0: proving my point that they're a basketball school. How the fight in is doing. Terrible. <laughs> How do how, how you guys, oh, let's compare ourselves to Michigan State. Uh, what happened? You got body bagged by Michigan State football this year, friend.
4: <laughs> Carl says more Final Fours than Duke and Kansas in the past decade. <laughs> yes, Kansas does find a way to choke early in tournaments recently, too. They had that one Final Four, then when they beat Duke. I should say the same about Duke. Yeah, Duke and, is weird. They're like, either like.
0: Michigan's terrible. Michigan's terrible, though. Who, no one cares about Michigan. They claim to be a basketball school, and they're terrible. They're, they're, actual powerful. they're actually terrible. They're actually terrible.
4: You were saying about Duke is very interesting. It's like either they lose in the round of 32 or they'll go to the final four. There's, except for the one year they lost, but one point to Michigan State, there's really no in-between with them. They're always very Oh, my weird. God.
0: Is Vermont going to pull this off?
4: Vermont? They're an experienced bunch with a lot of talented shooters, too.
0: Dude, they just forced a turnover with nine seconds left, and they're down two points. I hope that I hope the catamounts can a three.
4: That Do this one for Tim
0: Thomas and Martin St. Louis.
4: That would be something. Louis. <laughs>
0: my buddy actually played for Vermont back in the day. He hit like a half court three that they made like a decent run. Martin, oh wow. So he,
3: wow. Martin Saint Louis.
0: Yeah. <laughs> They're Vermont Catamounts. Don't, don't be mad because I know my Vermont catamounts.
3: <laughs> Martin Saint Louis. Don't go from high, from from basketball to hockey. Hey, it's now Coach Martin St.
5: Louis.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, oh is this ball going to be all Vermont? I'm going to be not. Oh, it's all Vermont. Yeah, it. it looks that way. I hate it. Terribly yeah. hate it. Oh, man. They're going to have to. Yeah. It's for all Vermont. Something. Yeah, it's terrible. Look at the light tattoo on that guy. Woof. What a bunch of! That's a lot of work. Though. That's a lot of money invested in a life.
5: <laughs>
0: what do they have? Well, like, where where do you get tattoos in Vermont besides prison?
4: Maybe maybe you climb one of those mountains. There's a, some random tattoo parlor in a cave.
0: I know. Very <laughs> strange.
4: You guys. Maybe know. one of those. But, uh, maybe one of the ski resorts has them.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's hilarious. Michigan people get so upset because they. They think they're so great, and they're actually just a collection of bums. I think Georgia just scored again on their football team. What was the final <laughs> score of that game? What was the final score of that game? It, it was—it was literally a basketball score. It was like eight hundred and thirty to thirteen or something.
3: Uh, maybe Michigan scored a garbage Four... time touchdown. Oh, no, something. that's Missouri. Uh... It was like thirty the...
4: something to like. 34 to 11 was yeah. the actual final score. <laughs> yeah,
0: 30,
5: 34 to 11. And
0: Georgia was like, dude, we feel bad. Just run the ball so we can run the clock out the entire second half. <laughs> Isn't that
3: what happened? Jeff yeah. is one of those nice guys, let me tell you. No, I, <laughs> hey, <laughs>
0: yeah,
5: hey
3: um, give, give him credit that with, the, first all, credit first with the Georgia. Like, oh, first of all, you're like,
0: oh, what an, oh, you're not, you're not being nice or whatever it is that you're saying, right? You're applying that be me. Is that not what happened?
3: It is what happened. happened.
0: It is right. So why are you saying it's mean? It's factual. Uh,
3: (laughs) Yes, more Final Fours than Duke in Kansas. I agree. Right,
0: Stetson Bennett just threw another touchdown. Good for you.
4: (laughs) Did the the, the, did the catch did the catch come from George Pickens coming back before the championship game? You just had to appear.
0: Michigan's so terrible. Georgia running backs were throwing touchdown passes.
3: But they're so good. You're gonna you're gonna, so good. You're gonna make Carl have nightmares tonight, man. No, it's just factual.
0: It just is what it is. You guys can listen, I'm a Providence basketball booster. When Providence gets their teeth kicked in in the sweet sixteen, call me up, make fun of me. It's fine. I'm not gonna cry as hard as these Michigan people or these cowboy fans. Oh, you're bullying. <laughs> nope, sorry, just told you what happened. Sorry if you think that's bullying.
4: Oh, you should have seen you should have seen the Virginia fans in twenty eighteen yeah. when I thought they were overrated and I ended up being right them losing to the sixteenth seed. <laughs>
0: right
4: oh
5: my god it's gonna happen this
0: is what it is like my my expectations for providence need to be tempered because i like what they've done and i think that they're they're it have been fun to watch because they're 12 and 2 and games decided by less than five points of playing a ton of close games
4: right but i'm realistic they're not a championship team so many people were picking that upset too because they love the south dakota winning streak the way they were too right they because
0: they were like oh well uh, South Dakota, I think South Dakota averaged either 85 or 87. Yeah, they were the
4: second highest scoring team in the nation.
0: And right. And, and what happened? Providence defense, body bagged them. What's up?
4: Yeah, it almost, it almost seemed like it was like too popular of an upset that it wouldn't happen type of thing. There's always one of those, either a 5-12 or a 14-3 or 14-3. that happens like that. And it seemed like South Dakota State was that team that year that everyone was picking just because of that great winning streak that they had. And when they can't – it's like Iowa. When they couldn't shoot the ball, they they struggled. And both those teams could have played each other the next round, and they both lost.
0: But it's just so funny. I like Providence basketball, but when they lose, my feelings aren't going to be hurt. But when you get these Michigan people, they're so – they've got the ball so deep down their throat of, like, Jim Harbaugh. That they can't, you know, they can't see reality. You stink. Michigan's got no shot. They stink. They were like a 13 seed or something. Didn't Michigan have to play a play-in
4: game? Uh, no, they actually were. I thought they were one of the teams <coughs> that should have had to play a play-in game. But, yeah, right. no, they were one of the last, they were the last two along with, uh, yeah, they were right. the last so two were, along with Virginia right. so Tech to the, get in. Virginia Tech was an automatic bid.
0: Right, so they were the 50th ranked team and got in somehow, Right. And, yeah. and they're so great. Get out of here.
4: They stink. For a basketball school, they stink. Carl says the Duncan Great Arena.
0: Oh, that place is a dump. Yo, did you happen to see the Creighton game, the Providence Creighton game, and the roof started leaking and they had to stop the game to, <laughs> to try to fix roof leaks? So, oh, dude, that, that building is so old. It is. Dude, first of all, that building is so old, it hosted a Vinny Pazienza versus, like, Roberto Duran fight. Like, I think. <laughs> I, like, I, I guarantee, your listeners don't even know who those two fighters are. By I, the way, I don't I even do. know who those two fighters are. I do. Vinny Pazienza, the Pride of Cranston. Yeah, it's from Providence. All right, yep.
3: nice. And even uh, had a movie. Uh, and R- Roberto Duran is, uh, you know, he had the the hardest hands in in boxing history. So I know both.
0: And Vinny Pazienza upset him at the dunk. Yeah, dunk.
3: Yep.
4: Carl says Michigan has terrible defense this year. Yeah, which is normally their identity.
0: Hey, hey, in which sport? Basketball or football? No, oh wait, no, both. Oh, it's a common thread at that school. We don't teach defense.
4: (laughs) defense. Well, actually, no, their team three years ago was like horrible offensively and they were great defensively. But then they got steamrolled by Texas Tech. Yeah, Everything at that school stinks. Who wants to go to Michigan and deal with snow all the time?
0: (laughs) And they got one of the worst coaches. That's if that football program ever wants to turn around, they need to fire Harbaugh and hire Charles Woodson.
4: Carl says they scored 85 against Iowa and still lost by 10. Well, yeah, Iowa has no defense either, Carl, so I don't know if you make that expectation well, for but that. Well,
0: you know what's funny? Iowa can shoot the three. No, they're phenomenal they
4: offensively. Shoot. They were, they were <laughs> the f- number four offense, and they had all that guard depth that they had on that team. But, yeah, but their defense was abysmal. It's kind of very – it's very similar to Alabama this year kind of too. They're kind of guard-oriented where they were last year, and their offense is so potent but their defense – leaves a lot of things unanswered, but sometimes we've seen teams overcome that too. So Iowa just Don't not one of those Iowa teams.
0: And Providence is going to body bag Richmond for your honor.
4: <sighs> Thank you, Jeff. Carl says Roberto Duran, no moss. Yeah, and, exactly.
0: That was exactly it. And knocked them out. Pride of to Cranston, Rhode Island,
4: baby. Uh, they were a top five defense past three years, which is why they made turning runs. No, Carl, they were never a top five defense. They were they a top half defense. They were Some years they were top 30, but... They were never a top five.
0: Michigan football's defense was really very good this year. It's too bad that you have such a bum coach who knows nothing about offense. (laughs) You know, Evelyn and I had this conversation about about Harbaugh too. When when Harbaugh was rumored to be going to the NFL, and I was like, what a horrible mistake! I'm like, the NFL is an offensive league, and you're literally thinking of hiring a coach that knows nothing about offense. That knows nothing. He and he was a former quarterback, and all he knows is handoff, 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 punt.
5: All he knows off, is
4: those handoff, four guys in the backfield. I formations.
0: Yeah, dude. Uh, every year he gets like good quarterbacks, and he ruins them because he has no idea. At, and he's a former quarterback, and he has no idea how to develop a quarterback. They got Shea Patterson from Ole Miss, who was a good. Quarterback I remember that. I him. loved him with Ole Miss. Right, and what happened? Hardball got his hands on him and ruined
4: him. Yeah, that was one of the bigger fall from graces I remember in college football for a quarterback, the way that happened. Because he looked Price like a talented crazy. kid. And that was against, again, the SEC defenses. I don't, I don't know if they were as like, well-rounded as they were in other Dude, years, stop. but they were the still, SEC. They're still SEC defenses. I and mean, he yeah, still looked stop. good.
0: Right, stop. You got to stop because the SEC is the cream of the crop I know. on offense and defense, right? So if you can play Ole Miss against SEC defenses, you should do just. Oh yeah, he looked really against...
4: good. He looked really good in that that and he was great horrific, season. Yeah,
0: horrific with Michigan because Harbaugh knows nothing about t- offense. Knows nothing. It's all handoffs, and that's all it is. And and how is that possible from a former quarterback that he knows so little about throwing the football?
4: Yes, Carl. I know you're referring to basketball. I mentioned the 2019 Michigan, 2018 Michigan, and uh, I think it was 2016 Michigan did have top defenses, but never top five. That was always either Virginia that I can remember, Loyola, and uh, Liberty actually had a number one defense one year, and that was it. But it's usually always Virginia.
0: Don't don't worry. We won't have to worry about
4: Carl in three days when Michigan gets knocked off. <laughs> All right, we Jeff. We won't have uh, to worry about it, Jeff. Uh, how, uh, what is your uh, margin of victory for Tennessee? <laughs> uh,
0: uh, Well, it's college basketball, so the scores are generally lower, the games are shorter. I would say, just realistically, I would say uh, 78 65, Tennessee.
4: All righty. (laughs) There you go. All right, That's a realistic score. I think it is, too. Tennessee's got that kind of shooting power. Tennessee, right. Tennessee can, the
0: only thing, the only problem Tennessee's going to have against Michigan is that giant kid Dixon. they, Tennessee doesn't have a dude that big, but they'll be able to spread the floor and they'll shoot the lights out on Michigan. Mm. Forget about it, Jeff. And, thank- and once again, it'll be an SEC school ruining a Michigan fan's life. <laughs> <You> <laughs> know thank <what> I'm <laughs> we we had Georgia in football, and now it'll be Tennessee. Thank you, Good Jeff. Luck.
3: Thank you, Jeff, for calling. <laughs> oh, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Definitely a great, a great part of the show is having Jeff on with his craziness. But uh, I love Jeff's enthusiasm, uh, his bracket, very interesting, everybody's bracket. I'd like to thank uh, uh, ex-chief uh, Pro Bowl pass rusher, Tamba Ali, for joining us. He was fantastic. And also Jesse Reeves, uh, freelance Dynasty fantasy football content, extravaganza. So thank you for joining us, Uh uh, Jeff for uh, giving us uh, his craziness, as always. Uh, we'll be back next week on Tuesday, right? Are we switching finally to Tuesday? Uh, I think we are. All righty. So our shows now will be Tuesdays and Thursday nights at 9 p.m. It won't be Wednesdays and Thursdays because we're going to try to split it up. Kind of give us like uh, a day of just relaxation, and we'll be back. So starting next week, our shows will be Tuesdays. And Thursdays, okay? So stay tuned for that. Uh, it will be promoted that way. But uh, it will give you guys a little bit of time, you know, and not back-to-back days. So Tuesdays and Thursdays moving forward for the Sports Loud Bounce starting next week, which we wanted to do that from the beginning. It was just other shows getting uh, mixed up It was off these. the mat. It was originally yeah. Tuesday, and then they, now they're Friday, so we can, can take that slot back. Yeah, so <laughs> Tuesdays and Thursdays will be our time uh, to do our shows at nine p m so definitely stay tuned for that uh more guests shout out to our guests throughout the week uh listen to the weekend crunch this week seven p m right yep there's no
4: only one more islander game it's like the first week of april so okay. that's uh, we're we're good for a while normal
3: time for a while yeah so we 'll be on at seven p m so listen to our show great guests, funny content, so definitely stay tuned. Uh, L.I. News Radio, if you live out here on Long Island on 103.9 FM. If you don't, uh, check it out on iHeartRadio or um, what, what is that? TuneIn Radio. TuneIn Radio. Uh, what, what's that thing called? Uh, Google, when you tell them to, I don't know what it's called. Uh, Google Voice or something yeah, like that? Google yeah, Google Voice or something. You can hear us. Spotify, okay? Ah,
4: Spotify. There you go. Uh,
3: we'll be on Spotify as well. So definitely check us out if you don't live in the Long Island New York area. Uh, we'll be back next week on Tuesday. Until then, it's Zero Marks and Speedy saying good night. We'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody.
5: It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network.